Welcome to the Only Football Fans podcast. Basically, we're a group of 10 mates frustrated that we can't meet up in the pub every week to chat about the footy. So, we've decided to do a podcast instead. Here we go. Welcome back, everyone. We uh, have a special guest with us tonight. We've got uh, Simon Osborne joining us for a chat about his career, which he played for Crystal Palace, Reading, Wolves, Walsall, Gillingham, amongst others. Um, so we're going to have a, have a bit of a chat about Simon's career, uh, work our way through when he started all the way up to what he's doing now. Uh, joined by Greg and Matty as well to go through it. So uh, they'll, be, they'll be chiming in with, with a few questions along the way. But um, yeah, just to start us off, so si, we'll, we'll go through... I've got a couple of just a quick questions just to sort of get to know you a bit better. So first one, you I think you've told us this off, off air anyway, is who was your childhood hero? Yeah, as we were talking about earlier, I'm obviously midfield player, played there. My childhood hero was Glenn Hoddle. So just just loved the way he played that sort of uh, that Tottenham team at the time was quite quite a good team. And I even went to the point at one point I tried to perm my hair to look like Glenn. Didn't work. <laughs> The old, the old boots, four pound fifty perm kit didn't quite work out quite as much. Couldn't, couldn't get anything better than Danny Croydon. There was no way I was going to sell on for a fifteen quid bit of perm. So the four fifty bit of stuff never quite took. More like a little bit of a kink than a perm. Um, but no, just just even sort of Glenn Hoddle, Brian Robson, the, the, the midfield players of that area. But Tottenham, that was the team I, I watched because of him. Um, but Palace being sort of my local club, that was a, another club that I obviously followed. But he was a, a massive idol to me, and it you know talking about it now and you sort of look at these players that we had, these flair players and whatever, he was probably way ahead of his time and in, in a different um, country thing, I, I think we'd have built a team around him, but we never did. So that's unfortunate, but you know, I managed to play against him a couple of times when he was at Swindon and Chelsea. So to play against him as well was brilliant. Well, was it at Swindon? He was playing at the back for a little bit as well, wasn't he? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right. Yeah, he was a sweeper. He just literally played a sweep, honestly. He had the biggest cigar on ever. And he's, he was so two-footed and he could just drop a ball wherever he wanted. I mean, I'm, I think I played against him in a, a, when I was quite young in the reserve game. I think it was at Swindon. And he nutmegged the player from about 10 yards. <laughs> it was ridiculous. He just nutmegged him. He just hit his pass and nutmegged the player. And he meant it. And you're just looking at him going, oh, my God. This bloke was special. Not bad. He, oh, was special. special. I mean, like I said, there was he was... Obviously, my idol, so you play against him, sort of, I managed to play against a few, obviously, because I know I don't show me age, but that's Botox. Um, <laughs> Brian Robson, Gascoigne. I was fortunate to come against players as I was coming through to play against them in my early part of my career. So that was, that was a, you know, for me, that was brilliant. Yeah, that's an honour, mate. Um, well, the next one was, which team did you support as well? Uh, I didn't really support anybody. I, I followed Palace, obviously, because they was local to me. Obviously, I was brought up in Croydon. It was my local club. Um, I was sort of in and out of the, the system for my own reasons, really. It was a lot of football and cricket and that being played at the time. So I sort of played everything. So Palace was the club. I played for Croydon schools. Uh, Bob White, who was just sort of involved at Croydon, took me into Palace. So I was, I was training at Palace playing for Palace. But um, again, these were the days when you sort of played every sport possible under the sun cricket and football were different seasons so I played both and uh, a couple of times I didn't there was so many games of football at the time I, I, I sort of stayed away from the academy side of it until it came to sort of 15 and then uh, went to the Palace from there so I'd always followed them 
because they're local, because you come across sort of people that are always going there, your friends are Palace fans and so on. Yeah. So that was kind of them and Tottenham, really. Oh, fair play, mate. Um, what's your worst habit? My worst habit? God, yeah. I'm even sorry my missus will say at the moment, I think. But I blame <laughs> that on a broken nose, but that's got nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably I would probably say my snoring at the moment is my worst habit or uh, showing my kids my top 10 goals <laughs> nothing wrong with that mate I'm still doing that <laughs> I always took all of my you know my nephews and nieces and, and whatever else I always take them I said listen I'll get the kids to sleep don't worry about that I'll tell you about my top 10 talk, just talk you through your top 10 goals always throw the first one out for scoring on the first ever Premier League day that puts them straight off <laughs> brilliant <laughs> Um, what's your biggest fear? My biggest fear? Um, I'm not a big fan of boats, would you believe? Not a really? big fan. I don't think it's a fear. I just, yeah, just don't like them. Um, it's funny. There was a, a picture came up on Twitter. Mark Bright put something on. Obviously, from Palace. We were back in, this was just after the FA Cup 1990. We went to Jamaica. We went on a tour in the Caribbean. I see the picture that he put up with you, yeah. So one of the days, someone's had a bright idea, let's go deep sea fishing, bloody blah, whatever it is. So anyway, got on a boat, I'm thinking, can't. I'm a young lad, I'm 18, so I've got to go because I've got to carry the, the beers and look after them, basically. <laughs> and, uh, we got on this boat and it just kept going. It didn't stop and it's just going out to catch this morning. Honestly, we've been about 20 minutes, I'm feeling sick, there's about four or five others. So we just pulled in and just went into Ocherias and walked the falls. Miles better than fishing. <laughs> I, I just, I've never liked boats. It's just not, it just... Never something that's been good to me. I think it's probably more that it just makes me feel sick. Yeah. Than yeah, I can, I can get that. Yeah, 100%. Um, and last one, Marmite. Love it or hate it? Love it. Yes. Get in. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, yeah, I've done a couple of podcasts and called myself Marmite because you either love me or hate me. <laughs> most, most fans of my own team hated me. Most <laughs> fans for the opposing team loved me. So it was all right. <laughs> We're all cheering you on. <laughs> Osborne's on the ball. That's a touch. He'll kick it out of place. Sweet. <laughs> You're fuming, Greg. All these, all these guests keep loving Marmite, mate. I know. I'm, 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 maybe I'm a wrong one. Are you a hater? Yeah, you are. I'm just, yeah, I'm not a fan. No? No. But the, the peanut butter and Marmite combo make you feel ultra sick. No, peanut butter's, peanut butter's good. They've started mixing the two now, haven't they? It's phenomenal, mate. Yeah. Yeah, I had it earlier. Decent. Yeah, can't get enough of the stuff. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, and yeah, so obviously you, you started your career at your local team then, Crystal Palace. How did it sort of come about that you, you got signed up by, by Palace, mate? Uh, as I said just previously, well, I was Croydon boy, playing for Croydon in Surrey schools. And Bob White at the time was involved at Palace and he was uh, my district coach. So I kind of went from there, went into Palace Played through, like I said, just dropped in and out. Not, yeah. And then it got to the 15 and I was seriously thinking, you know, as a lot of kids do at the time, I want to be a footballer. Um, managed to, to stay in the system there and then got offered a YTS. So basically finished my exams at school uh, in, I think it was the end of May, early June, and then literally started at Palace as a, as a YTS apprentice, £27.88 a week. Um, back at the old Mitchum training ground in 1988, 16 year wow. apprentice, yeah. So went straight into that and that was it. Straight into full-time football, probably nine and a half stone ringing wet um, 
into the big wide world of, of training every day, which was a, a massive wake up call, but an absolutely brilliant experience of, to be able to sort of train every day, um, learn from the guys that there at the time. And, and it still be in good stead, to be honest with you. And then I was fortunate enough to obviously play all the way through till I retired at 35. So really lucky, really. Yeah, exactly. Well, like we were saying about a couple of people that we know with injuries, mate, it's some people are never that lucky, you know, so it's, you had a good career. Um, who, yeah. Whose boots was you was you cleaning at Palace? Um, Ian Evans at one point, Glenn Pennyfather, uh, Dave Maddens. You sort of flitted around. The first year, I had Ian Evans and a couple of others. And then the second year, I was fortunate enough that I got, they gave me a title, sort of head, head apprentice. Obviously, I was captain, Gareth was captain the year before. I took over the captaincy of the youth team and they gave me a sort of a role head AP. Basically, if anything went wrong, I got it. If it was all okay, I was great. Um, I think I got an extra five or a week from that, actually, from doing that. And then, So I didn't actually do boots on the second year. I had to, to fill it if somebody wasn't in or they was ill. So I was kind of lucky. But like I said, you had people like Stan Turner and that was then around. So I'd have to make oh. sure the balls, the bibs, all the kit was done, everything was out where it's supposed to be. The pitches were set up right. Uh, all the jobs were done at the end of the day. If they weren't, I got basically coated. Um, what was what was Stan like? Because I've heard some great stories about him from a few ex-pros and that. He was a bit of a hothead, wasn't he, Stan? Stan was, Stan was a real hothead, really good football bloke, knew his onions, would train in a pair of high-tech white trainers, if you believe. So old, proper old school. Proper old school high-techs. You know, right now there'd be like people who think they're really cool. But he'd go out and the, the pitch would be absolutely... Mitchum was not the best training ground in the world. Lots of people would tell you that. And he'd go out in his pair of white high-techs in his northern tones. And if something weren't right, you'd just get the big Aussie from the far pitch. And it's like, oh, God, here we go again. But he was honestly a really good fella. Um, knew his football. Uh, bumped into him a few times, obviously, down, down the road. But, yeah, he, he again, we were really, I, I can say I was really lucky at that time in, in my early career from people like, obviously, Steve Coppel was the manager. You had Ian Brantford was there, Alan Smith, Stan Turnan, uh, Steve Harrison. You know, there were some really good coaches there that, that, that for the young guys, it was brilliant. Yeah, you can see why they were so successful back then, mate, with all them sort of names about, about the club. Yeah, well, you had all them, but then you had some really good pros as well, which which always is a good mix. You know, we were we had a really good... When you, when you look back now, it's interesting. You sort of don't think about it at the time, but now looking back... The young guys that we had there, myself, Gareth, Stan, Chris Coleman, Chris Armstrong, you know, the list is sort of endless. There's a hell of a lot of young Bobby Bowie, you know, Simon Roger. There's, you can keep reading them off. We were really, really fortunate at that time. But it was a real hotbed, a lot of local talent um, with some good coaching. And it, different, different probably to what you'd get now, but it all was part of it. You know, you get stuck up the army barracks and that was part of your, your training and, then you'd have to go and see Morris, who was the, the uh, groundsman, and you'd have to do his chores if you wanted something, or clean the balls, or get sent out into the bushes because we're free balls short, and you had to find that, otherwise it come out the wages and all yeah. that sort of stuff. So it's, it, it, it was brilliant. Honestly, it was, it was a brilliant grounding. Um, you had to earn the respect of the, your fellow pros at that particular time, but once you'd done that, um, you couldn't rest on your laurels, but at least you, you knew you could try and compete with them. Yeah, 100%, mate. Like, like you said, you mentioned a few of the names there. In your time at Palace, some of the, the big names that were at the club, like people probably of, of our generation probably won't even realise some of these names that were at Palace at the time. You like seeing, I might just. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> you like to, like Nigel Martin, Gareth Southgate, Ian Wright, Mark Bright, Stan Collymore, John Salako. It's 
there's some top top players there. You can see why because in in your time there, did you did you finish third in the Premier League as as such? What it what it was first division then was it? Yeah, it was the old first division. We finished third. We were uh, we were shoot. There was a possibility we could get into Europe at that time because Liverpool had been banned. Um, ah, yeah. And there was a possibility we could get in there. So we finished third. I think our final game of the season at home. I think we beat Man U three 0 I managed to I managed to make a few appearances that season, but I was in and around the squad. And like you said, the 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 amount of players there, good, solid, dependable players was was great for us young guys coming through because. We learned off them every day. They wouldn't take, you know, you had to earn that respect. But as I said to you before, if, if you didn't do something or they felt you were doing it wrong, they would there were no shies. You had to you had to stand your ground. You had to you had to stick up to it. You had to have a, a bit about you. Um they'd they'd test you, which is which is fine because they obviously want to rely on you if it's in a in a pressure situation. So um yeah, it was tough. It was tough love. I mean, I, I watched a, uh, an interview with Andy Woodburn the other day that he'd done with a, a yeah. Another podcast that we won't mention because we're not allowed to under obviously laws, um, and I kind of forgot about a lot of the stuff and a lot of the things that happened. You, you kind of don't realise it um, until you sort of start reminiscing about what you did and the players you played with. Um, so it, for me, as I said, it, it stood me in great stead. Brilliant. Go on, Matty. You had something to come in with there, mate. Well, I mean, obviously, you've just reeled off some hell of a names in a short sequence there. It's quite a lot for my brain to take in. Um, <laughs> but like, being an Arsenal fan myself, I have to ask the question, Ian Wright, what was he like? Mad. Yeah. Nah, he was, um, no, he, uh, he was, he'd come in from non-league. He was yeah. an absolute bundle of energy, obviously. He'd felt like he'd been given this, this key, you know, from, from working yeah. on building sites, playing for Greenwich Borough, coming into to the, the, wild, the big wild world of football. And then him and Mark just hit it off. Yeah. Mark was, Ian was brilliant, hot-headed, unbelievable ability, could score goals that you wouldn't believe, but also get the tap-ins. Yeah. Pace both feet. Mark was the ultimate pro. Mark Bright was the ultimate pro. Work at his game. Good, solid, dependable centre-forward. Get hold of the ball, make good runs, you know. And they just hit it off. But, you know, writing could, could drive people mad. Like, I think it was, I can't remember who it was, you know, He'd be doing a shooting session if someone didn't set in the ball right, he'd smash it over the fence and it'd be in the bushes just because he wanted that and he'd practice his celebrations and, and all sorts of stuff like that. But that's just how he was. He just, if he didn't score a mark scored, you could see Ian was disappointed. He was that single minded that he wanted to get to the very top. And once he got the opportunity, um, you know, you'd watch him in training, he'd do stuff and you just, it'd just be, you, you, he wouldn't, I don't know if he knew how to do it sometimes. I think it was just natural. Yeah. Frightening yeah. ability, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, you don't go on a score that amount of goals for, for Arsenal. You don't, you don't play for England and, and whatever else it is. And, that, and like I said, I've talked to people about it, and I, I had a good, what I'd consider a good career, but my level was probably the Championship, and that's just me being blatantly honest. I wasn't, I played in the Premiership, but I kind of toyed with it. It wasn't really, I never really felt that I was a Premiership player, and that, the, the, that's the difference between me being a Championship player to a Premiership player, and then being a Premiership player to a an international or a top, top premiership player, yeah. you can definitely see the differences. And there's certain people that you knew, like Jeff Thomas and people like that, that went on to do it. Um, you know, obviously I, what I did was great, but there, there's that little fine margins of... Do, of you, do you think that was a, a something from a dedication aspect or could you have worked at your game harder or did you just think you just didn't belong at that level? 
I think it was just the timings, if I'm honest with you. No, I, I worked on my game. I was fit. Um, I could play. I could pass. Not the quickest in the world. Um, but at that particular time, it was very much a 4-4-2 formation. Yeah. Box to box. Didn't, I'm not saying I couldn't go box to box, but if I'm going up against certain other people, for instance, say, Jeff Thomas, who arrives in the box, who's got four inches on me, who's going to make balls. I think at that particular time, in that sort of early 90s, through to that, that kind of was the, the, the thing. It, yeah. Now, maybe it might suit me a little bit more, potentially. I don't know. But it certainly wasn't down to lack of effort. I just think that those fine margins from athleticism, yeah, just what people were expecting in those premiership teams, it, I think it just slightly changed. And that's what that's not the only reason there's little bits of luck. Could have gone into a team that played slightly differently. But um, I think that's just how it was, really. Like I said, I, I did sign back there. I, you know, I'd won one season at Reading um, and went back into the Premiership with QPR, but we'll probably get onto that. That didn't quite work out for, for whatever reasons. But I just didn't feel when I was in there, I didn't, I couldn't do what I, I could do in the Championship. Yeah, understood. Yeah, you felt more comfortable at that level than you did. Yeah, other. yeah, definitely. I, I felt I was chasing it more in the Premiership and didn't feel I could influence the game like I did yeah. um, in that. Uh, for certain reasons, whatever it was, and it just didn't feel that way. Very honest of you to say. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Go, go on, Greg. I was just when you came inside to um, to the first team, who, who was who was in your way, sort of thing, like from actually getting. I know you, you've obviously just explained like what you thought about yourself, but who was in your way directly? Jeff and Andy, Jeff and Jeff Thomas and Andy Gray with a midfield two. Um, at that particular time and as I was coming through um, I'd managed to sneak a couple of appearances sort of on the right side of midfield um, John Slarker might have been injured or someone else but basically my direct competition would have been Jeff Andy Alan Pardew uh, Glenn when he was there Glenn Pennyfather Dave Madden they were the sort of ones in front of me and then obviously myself and Gareth came in who both played in midfield at the time so I'd come in uh, the first that first year which was the old first division I'd managed a few games a couple of games in that. Then the following season, the Premiership, I managed to... Jeff was having a few... I think they were trying to sell... The Blackburn were trying to buy Jeff at the time. Um, and I managed to get in the team and play quite a few games that season alongside Andy Gray and, and people like that. So uh, they, were the, they were the sort of main ones. Nice. And then oh, I wanted to ask, actually, because like you was on the fringes being a young player at the time, but when they got to the FA Cup final, did you... Get, did you travel with, with the squad? Did you get a chance to go? or No, I travelled with them on all the stuff before. So I'd been involved all through the run because, again, there was a, it was a big sort of superstition thing. Steve Copper was really superstitious about stuff. And I think we won the third or the fourth round and we'd been to Tenerife the week before, just on a, a bit of a trip, a bit of warm weather training, whatever it was, basically piss up, really. Um, <laughs> And uh, we'd won. So before every round of the FA Cup, we basically went away. We played on the Saturday in the league, uh, literally got straight to the airport and went straight to Tenerife or went away. So we had the Saturday night, Sunday, Monday, came back either the Tuesday or the Wednesday, then played the cup game the following week. And it went all the way through to the final. So I'd been in and around the squad, but that was just sort of travelling stuff. And then when it got to the final, I didn't travel. Um, I think it was only uh, I think it was only two subs at the time, three subs at the time. But we all we all uh, all the pros. I'd signed pro that year. All the pros got you know the old Prince of World checks suit and a dodgy pair of sunglasses from someone that gave us that. That come down the training ground, take a few photographs, and I was trying to nick as much stuff as I possibly could to stick in the old back pockets if I could sell it down at the old Addo Market. But um, 
yeah, so yeah, we we all we all got involved in that, but didn't all travel to the main game. But where the, where the sort of squad went off to the hotel, um, the sort of day before, I think it was, and then travelled to the game, and we all we all sort of travelled afterwards. Nice. Go on, go on, Greg. Um, yeah, just touching on that final. So back then they were two legs, weren't they? And obviously it went to the second leg. And um, what was it like after that first leg, back at like training and whatnot? Did did you like as a, as a team believe that you could go on and win it? Was that the final, Greg? Yeah. Yeah, the, the final went to a replay, if you remember, because right. A replay, was, yeah. Sorry, not two legs. It was replay. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it, I think it was a strange one because of all that what happened. Um, obviously, Ian coming off the bench, doing what he did. It yeah. was almost, it was almost like a loss because there was so we were so close to winning it. And then I think the fine, I think the, the replay was on the Tuesday night, if I can remember rightly. And then for some reason we pulled out that yellow and black kit for God knows what. Um, and it was a bit of an anti-climax, if I'm honest. The whole sort of replay bit didn't feel anything like the same. The first game, there was only sort of 15,000 allocated, even less than that, tickets to the Palace fans. Um, and then it was sort of a little bit different. So everyone kind of went to go. And it was it was a strange one, because basically just coming to training, tick over, go through a few bits and pieces, and then sort of go through it again. But it just didn't have the same feeling. It wasn't, it's not as special that Tuesday night replay as it is a sort of Saturday for me, the FA Cup final day was a day. It was, like, yeah. you know, it was a whole day. You know, you'd see the guys on the coach. It'd be all Wembley Way, um, and to be involved in that, although I wasn't with the squad, it was amazing. And then that sort of replay bit was a bit of an anti-climax, if I'm honest. And did that go back? To, did it go back to Wembley? Yeah, yeah, it was back yeah. at Wembley. Yeah, but it just didn't. It didn't feel the same. An evening game at Wembley for the FA Cup final was just. It's not the same. It just doesn't feel the same, if you know what I mean. It's like when they took some of the semi-finals and that to it. It's not yeah. it the same buzz, does it? It's not the same yeah. thing. I've never believed that that should have ever been the case for the FA Cup. It's the final should just be played at Wembley and that's it. I don't see why you'd play a semi-final at an iconic been. ground like that. Because like you takes away the buzz of it, doesn't it? It's yeah, I, I never agreed with that. No, I never did. It was a special, you know, it was a special occasion, wasn't it? That's what I said to you. I grew up on that Saturday. The Saturday Wembley bit, everyone buzzing, you know, people walking up Wembley Way, the coaches coming in. I can't remember who it was. It was the commentator at the time talking to him on the coach. And and then it sort of went to the semi-finals, both being at Wembley and then the final being here. And it's like, it's not the same for me. No, I think they've ruined it even more with nowadays with the FA Cup final. It being like a five o'clock kickoff, and there being other games, normal Premier League games on the same day. Yeah. It just it doesn't have the same feel as it, as it did when I was growing up watching it. It was really? like you said, it was the whole day. You'd watch yeah. the, the players getting on the coach yeah. in the morning, and you'd see and the whole order. Speaking outside, scored a winner. Yeah. <laughs> Garden, what are your mates? I'm saying so. I'm scoring the winner. I scored the winner in the FA Cup. But that's it, yeah. But it's all it's all changed, isn't it? Now it's a shame, really. But um, following on from that, anyway, um, the the following season weren't the best, and your Palace ended up going back back down into well, what was now the first division because the Premier League was the old first division. Um, but then that 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 season back down in the first division, you got to League Cup semi final, which you scored in. Scored um, in. Yeah. Yeah, and then won the title that year as well. So, what was that that like? Sort of, did you sort of feel like that was your coming of age? Now you're you're in the team as on a regular basis, and no, because I left after that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was a strange one. I, obviously, I 
it, it, it went well in relation to the whole team. I had a few issues, <clears throat> obviously myself and Alan Smith out a little bit. So it happens. I, I felt I should be playing a bit more. Uh, I got injured, I think, on the first day of the season. Didn't help. Um, missed a lot of games and had a bit of a falling out. Kind of was out of the squad and out of the scene for a bit, then came back again. Um, and then we, the team was doing so well. It was just, a, it, was a, it was again, it was a good young team with a couple of experienced pros in it. And we just, again, we just got on a run and and it went really well. So for the for the team, for team wise, it was fantastic. Club wise, fantastic. For me, a little bit of mixed emotions. And I just felt at the time that maybe it was going back up to the Premier League. Obviously, I had my my moments. My contract was running running out. And I just felt it was time for me to. So maybe go and try something new. I'd been there since a kid, um, and I felt maybe it's it's time for me to go and see what else is out there. So I came back to Palace in the pre-season, but ended up leaving and going to Reading the, the following season after I got promoted. Um, sad to leave. Don't get me wrong, I've been there a long time. Getting into the Premier League, which is obviously where everyone kind of wanted to be at the time. But um, I just felt I wanted to play. You know, the, the whole point of of being a footballer for me. It's not about money. It's not about this. It's about playing every week. You know, if you can't if you can't play on a Saturday, it's kind of a bit of an anticlimax during the week. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about it. Was it was that um, when you moved to Reading? Was Mark McGee in charge then? Yeah, he was. Mark was there then. Obviously, Alan was in charge at Palace. Wanted me to stay. In, in all fairness, we we sort of settled our differences towards the end of the season, and he wanted me to stay. But I just felt uh, at that particular time, no. So I came back into pre-season, read in the channel in interest. Colin Lee had seen me in a testimonial game at the end of the season at, at Palace. Um, wanted to take me to Reading. They got in contact. I went across to Reading for a week just to see my fitness and whatever else. Um, and obviously, because I was under the age, it was, it was sorting out a sort of fee. So I still came back to, to Palace, trained through pre-season and then left for 90 grand about a week before the season started. So um, it all worked out in the end for me because I wanted to play. Um, I didn't feel that I was going to play as much at Palace that season so luckily the clubs agreed to fee in the end which, which was good of them um, not a massive amount of money really for, for somebody who'd been there some time so I was grateful for Palace for letting me go for that uh, and managed to go over and sign for Mark McGee and Colin Lee over at Reading who had just been promoted from, from League 2 or sorry League 1 to Championship as it was and this was their first year did they come up as champions was it from yeah the, yeah, yeah. They won the league before under Mark with uh, obviously Jimmy Quinn scored 40 odd goals and and they'd come up and, and were sort of flying high. And then talked to me about what they were doing there. And I went and, and went and signed for Reading, which was uh, obviously a great move for me. Yeah, I bet there was a buzz about the place as well because they're on a high, aren't they, coming up from that? Yeah, I mean, you sort of got there and you, there was just a real feel. It was a, a really good squad, some, some good players. There was a great togetherness there. And I signed. Um, they signed a guy called Darius Dovchek, uh, Polish international, used to play for Celtic and whatever. Great player. Um, and it was just, honestly, I had, a, I had a great year there. I got injured, unfortunately, for part of it, but that's the year we sort of got to the playoff finals and, and didn't quite make it, but we should have gone up. But I'm not going to talk about that because it's too bitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that. <laughs> mate, yeah, let's remind it again, yeah. We've got to talk about it, mate. I mean... Um... I was, I was, obviously, I looked, I looked at the result. I guessed it, mate, you know what I mean? It's all right, don't worry. I was going to go and get myself another bottle of wine. It's fine. <laughs> Pressure's uh, right. I, I was just having a look at their team. Like, I was going to ask you about some of their players, really. Um, like Jason McAteer, Adam Thompson, Owen Coyle, McGinley, Stubbs. And then I noticed the, on their bench, who's this, Bolton? Yeah. 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 
on on their bench, England legend Peter Shilton. Yeah, he was on the bench. Bloody hell! Didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah. I think he played against us or came on. I, I can't remember. We played him in. We played him in, a, in a, and I think it was a Tuesday night game at Elm Park, which is an old stadium. If people remember Elm Park, it was packed to the rafters. We were flying, and uh, we played Bolton at home and beat him two one. And I, I can't remember if he came on or played. And I think he was forty one at the time. I was going to say he must have been forty or pushing. Or... Yeah, and I was surprised to see his name. Yeah, no, he was there. That, like I said, to you, we we finished that season in that in that championship second. Middlesbrough won the title that year, and they had I think they had Merson. From what I can remember, they might have done it. I might be a bit early actually, but they had a really good side, Middlesbrough. We finished second, and that was the year that everything changed. So the Premier League reduced down to twenty. So only one went up and one went up in the playoffs. Is that so why that, it was then? Yeah, that's what. That's the, the only. But again, you kind of can say it, but everybody knew what was happening, and that's the reason we didn't get promoted automatically. I went into the playoffs, and then we probably we'll talk about it because it's fine. It's not not a problem, honestly. No. And, um, <laughs> yeah, Greg. <laughs> yeah, cheers, Greg. Thanks, mate. Sorry, Greg. <laughs> um, this is about you, you know. This is about you. Yeah, it's about my. It's about making me feel better, not worse, is it? Exactly. It's about making the guests feel welcome, Greg. Not, uh, that's, that's, listen, you were there, mate. A lot yeah. more than what some of us got to. So, um, yeah. And then we started the final. Um, we were two 0 up, as everybody that watches football at time knows. And then missed the penalty to go three up. Um, and then lo and behold, we we end up losing four three. Basically, we ran out of steam. They were they were. We had a few. We were carrying a few injuries. I had an injury. A couple of people had injuries. Not excuses. Um, it got to, you know, it, it's testing at Wembley. It's no bigger than anywhere else. It's just, I think, the whole emotion of it. And then they come into their own. When it went to extra time, we were really struggling and they managed to, to sneak it 4-3. So, um, really disappointing. Great day in certain things to be able to play at Wembley. To go to that, to lose it is kind of a little bit uh, of a sour taste. But all I can say is that I was, I'm glad that I played at Wembley. Um, it's the only time I played there um, throughout my whole career. So, I managed to do it in a in a great game. I think it was sixty five thousand, and wow. um, yeah, it was fantastic. Go on, Greg. You have something else, mate? You know what? You just kind of. I was just going to ask you, mate. Obviously, you didn't you didn't make it with Palace today, and I was going to say, was that was that the first time? And then you've just said that's the only time. So, yeah, it's an unbelievable achievement to play there, though. Yeah, I went. I went both times with Palace. I sat on the bench. Not on. I was not on the bench. I was fourteenth man when we played in the yeah. Zenith. Um, when we won the Zenith data against Everton. So I was lucky to go there and actually sit on the bench because um, I was sort of part of the... I'd played in the Zenith data that season a couple of times, so I was actually fortunate to be able to sort of sit right there. So I managed to... Although I wasn't involved, I managed to sort of sample that. The FA Cup final itself, I wasn't. But then to actually get out there and play, you know, walk on it, do all the bits beforehand. And it was just it was just great. It was just a great place to be able to play at, at sort of that Wembley at that time. Nothing, something oh. I'd, I'd never be able to take away from. The old Wembley as well, which is just amazing yeah. as well. Like, so yeah. much. The new Wembley is brilliant, but then, you know, the twin, no, the tower, you know, the, the two towers and that is just, yeah. Yeah, it's special. Yeah. New Wembley is too commercial, mate. It's like a, a fucking office block. This is anything's a tenor, though, isn't it? So it's fine. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Huh? Hot dog, isn't it? Hot dog, tenor. Yeah. Man. Go for a piss, it's a tenner. <laughs> it's a joke, isn't it? It really is. Worst beer ever. It's flat as. Yeah. Oh, they are taking any life out of that, mate. <laughs> Not good. Not good. 
And <laughs> like to, to be honest, it struck me by surprise. I I envisioned you was at Reading longer than you was only there for one season. Yeah, yeah. I signed. I signed in the um, end of July, just before the season started, and left the following June. Um, yeah, you, you were quite quite well thought of there because we like, I had a few. I've got a few mates that sport Reading, and they sort of fond memories of you. And I had a. I thought you was there for a, a, quite a bit longer, like considering you know. No, no, I only done the season there. Like I said, Joe, it, it, it kind of kickstarted my career, if I'm honest with you, again. I'd obviously, come through at Palace, it's a bit of a... Yeah, when you've come through a club, it's kind of... That's on you. I just went to Reading and it just gelled. It just it just worked. Um, I played really well in the first 20-odd games. I think I had five goals in 25. Then, unfortunately, New Year's Eve, I got a, a pretty nasty knee injury that played me up. I came back in March, but it still played me up so I had another operation at the end of the season then. So it, it was one of those one of those clubs that I think the timing, the way they'd just come up, the way they were flying, the way they were playing, it just it just worked. It was just one of those lucky things for me to get into there. And then Mark McGee left at Christmas, went to Leicester. They tried to then buy me. Um, but obviously I then got injured, so nothing happened. And then come the end of the season, we obviously lost in the playoffs and uh, the club I only had a t- I think I'd signed a two-year contract if I wanted to be so it's not like you'd sign these big five-year contracts and I just wanted to go and play. So I'd signed a two-year contract. So I think I had a year left and a few was out of contract. I might have said one or two things to the chairman, maybe, but <laughs> that kind of happens. Is that before the wine or after? Uh, that was um, oh, that was after. That was, in, uh, that was actually, we did have a row in a nightclub. Really? Yeah. What, you and the chairman did? We just had words, yeah. What was I doing in the nightclub? I love the chairman's club in there. Yeah, I love it already. No, I think this this might have been, it was either, it could have been, I think in probably just after the playoffs. I can't remember if it was just after the playoffs or some way through the season. I think we'd won, like I said, I can't remember where we were. We had we was we were amazing away from home that season for whatever reason. We had we were quite good on counter. We had some pace with Michael Jilks and people like that. Shaq Eslop was amazing that season. And uh, I think we'd won somewhere. It ended up it was going, I'll tell you what, it was close to the end of the season because we had about 10 players out of contract. And I think John Medeski at the time had said something about he'd sell the football club and all these players were out of contract and obviously we'd gone somewhere. And I, I'm not, you know, I'm not shy to say things somewhere along the line. And I think it was in a nightclub and he'd then come in. He's a big VIP in Reading. And obviously I'd had one or two lemonades. And, uh, <laughs> and at some point he, something was said and I said, well, why are you putting stuff in the paper? You know, why don't you keep this team together or whatever else? And he said something I'd, we might have had one or two words about, I think you're talking uh, not very well. Um, and that was it, really. So we sort of had that. And then I don't think that had anything to do with it. Come to the end of the season and, and an offer came in from QPR um, and they sold me, but they sold myself, Scott Taylor, Shaq Hislop. We all left at the end of the season. So basically that team from that championship side was basically disbanded at the end of the season. Um, Greg, did you have something, mate? I was just going to ask about Shaka Hislop, mate. I just I saw some of the players that you played with at Reading and that, and then like Phil Parkinson and Shaka Hislop. I was just going to ask about him, like um, obviously that was like one of his first clubs in England, or and then uh, got the big move. I just was, was he that good? Shaka was brilliant. Shaka yeah. that season was amazing. I think the season before he sort of broke in. He'd come from university in America. Yeah. This was his sort of second season. The first season he'd sort of come in a little bit shy and then broke into the team. That season in the championship, he was he was phenomenal. It, I, we played at Sunderland away that season. We won one nil. God knows how. He got their man of the match. 
because he was <laughs> we've never had a goalkeeper play this well, or we've never had anyone else. They gave it to him. He wow. Was, he was phenomenal that season. He really was. But he was he was your typical, you know, West Indian, so laid back. You know, it's yeah, man, it's just training. It's just it's just, <laughs> it's just what I do. And um he was brilliant. We played, I think it was Charlton, we played it on the telly in the sort of last game. We was in the playoffs, so we knew he was there. And he just he was like, Yeah, do you know what, lads? Let's just go out in sunglasses to warm up in. You're like, What? All right. Then. <laughs> So we all warmed up and just, yeah, don't, no, don't, no, no idea why we did it. Shaka or somebody just mentioned it, so we just did it just as a bit of fun. But again, it was just at that time we were doing so well and, and we all got on so well. Yeah, times, listen, I was injured. We had, you had to look after your own players' bar, so we had to stop the bar and we'd serve behind the bar in the players' bar at Elm Park. Yeah, it was just it's no no airs or grace about it. you know it might be me and Parky behind the bar because we were injured or suspended. Parky be suspended, not me, of course. <laughs> Everybody, and um, and you'd be you know we'd stop the bar up with the beers and serve people out the beers of that. And that's just how it was at the time. It was a you know you wash your own kit. No one batted an eyelid that. It's just how it was at the time, you know. And it. Yeah, no, would you? Oh God. No, no, you, you listen. Nobody at the time. You just got on with it. It was just you know you're playing football. Yeah, that's that's what being a professional was, yeah. Yeah, it was just yeah. It wasn't everywhere, but at a time, Reading wasn't a big club. They'd come up, you know. The training ground was at, I think it was the, the owner's mate, um, and you just used to take your kit home, wash it, bring it back in the morning, and train again. It was a mishmash of kits. I'm sure if we had photos back there, I'd have a Mizuno top on. Someone would have something else on. It wouldn't be all. <laughs> Skins and snuds and all that rubbish. <laughs> snuds weren't even invented then, were they? No, no idea what they were. I think that was, the, I think that was a, when your nan knitted half a balaclava, wasn't it? it was a... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. They, they, made, they made a bit of money on you, though, mate. One, 1.1 million to QPR. Was it Ray Wilkins in charge there who signed you? Yeah, it, but, yeah, it was Ray. Ray signed me there because I'd come, I'd come across Ray at Palace. Yeah. I literally, we crossed over. He came into Palace. I was still training there. I got on great with Ray at the time, obviously, for someone for me again to see someone like that come in. Another idol that you sort of watched. Great player, honestly. Great player. God rest his soul. And um, something must have dropped with him because I sort of, he sort of said, Oh, you're going. I went, Yeah, well, you know, I don't feel my time's here. I'm going to go and play football. So it, maybe that sort of transcended and something popped into his head. I played well, obviously, at Reading, and then he came in for me, um, and I went over to QPR. They signed me, obviously, you know, from, from 90 grand to 1.1. I think Palace had a sell-on anyway, but it was um, it was a great move for me. What I felt at the time was a great move for me to go and play for, for QPR in the Premiership, um, to go and work under Ray, a midfield player. I thought it was the, the, the perfect thing for me to do right at the time. Um, it didn't work out. Um, maybe a bit of me, maybe a bit of them. You know, I certainly forced the move at the end of it, but you have to do it sometimes, but it just, yeah, it just didn't, didn't quite work. I didn't, I didn't feel, it didn't feel right from what I'd gone through at Reading all that season before I went into QPR and it, it didn't feel quite right. Good side, done really well. I think we finished 10th the season before in the Premier League, lost Les Ferdinand, but there's some really good players there at the time. You know, Adam McDonald, again, God rest his soul, um, Dave Bardsley, Trevor Sinclair, um, Kevin Gallon, they were, you know, they're, they're Ian Holloway, Simon Barker, Ray was still playing. You know, it was a good Danny Maddox. It was a real, it was a real good team at that time. But again, for whatever reason, I, I didn't, I had a knee injury when I went there. I was, oh, sorry, I was recovering from the knee injury, so I was probably a week behind everybody else. They knew that, which was fine. We'd gone to Italy, so 
all good. Um, just just never really hit it off there. Probably, I think I played 15 games in total. Um, and just didn't, I didn't enjoy it. it yeah. Didn't enjoy it. Um, training, kept, you know, kept, it was great because of the guys that were around me with that sort of similar age, which was good. Um, but just didn't enjoy the football, didn't enjoy it there particularly. And then when the opportunity arose later in that season, I think they were glad to get rid of me. And I was glad to move on, basically. But yeah, like I said, I had a little bit of a fallout with, with Ray, which is not impossible to do because he is known as Ariel, white and white. But he, no, but that is absolutely true. He is the, the, the most genuine man. And what a good footballer as well, even at that age. I think he was 38 at the time. But Was he player manager then? Yeah, he was player manager and still playing. But honestly, what a footballer. Um, still just, had it. Ah, you could just tell. You know, when you see somebody that can, you can just watch them instantly and go, that's what I'm saying. So there's that difference. There's that difference between that. And whether it was, whether I'd kind of gone in there and gone, actually, this is not quite what I expect it to be, or whatever it was, I don't know. And it just, I didn't play, I'd played centre midfield at QPR all that season. I've gone into QPR, I was playing left side of a three, and Ray was playing, and I felt that was my position. and Again, maybe that was a little bit of animosity on my part. Maybe a bit of youth as well at that particular time because I'd had such a good season before. Maybe if I'd been a bit more patient, I don't know. You know that that may well have changed. But hindsight's a wonderful thing, and we can't bottle it. And at some point, I just again, I wasn't playing enough. I'm playing uh, 35 games, I think, the season before, even with the injury, I was flitting in and out. I wasn't even on the bench a couple of times, and it just it, I just didn't enjoy it. So for me. The ultimate thing is to play football wherever it be. So, luckily, Mark McGee then came in for me when he went to Wolves, and and my QPR career was cut short. Yeah, go on, man. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say that must be mentally that must be very challenging knowing you've made that move. Pre Reading obviously made a bit of money on you for the move. You've gone there. Obviously, it's kind of a local club. Well, it's in and around. You must have been pretty gutted, really, that it didn't work out. Did you know pretty early on in the sort of spell there that it wasn't going to work out? No, I didn't see. I didn't. I, I didn't see that it was going to be like that. The, the preseason was brilliant. I felt that I'd gone from Reading. I felt I'd gone up a level because QPR Ray was there. Very had that Italian mentality as well. Very well organised. Everything was done really well. The training. We'd gone to Italy on a camp. They looked after me in regard to my knee. They knew I was a little bit behind people. So it was great for me to be able to um, get the treatment and get up to speed yeah. to, to where I was. It's just when the, the sort of actual season started, I felt I'd done okay when I got back in in pre-season. I felt I was pushing, didn't make the first team, okay, or the first game, I should say, which is always a disappointment, but yeah. felt no problem, you know, keep going, keep going, keep going. And then the times when I'd done well and felt like I'd been, it, you know, had the opportunity to be in it, you know, I'd be on the bench or yeah. I'd be out of squad and it was like, I couldn't quite get my head around it again. And I think, obviously, being young as well, it, it doesn't help. Um, you kind of get a little bit reactive at times. and Yeah, fly off the handle a bit. Yeah, yeah, probably a little bit and probably didn't didn't go about certain things. Probably, I, I certainly, I, I did force the move. I'm not going to lie. I'd had enough and tried to get out of it. And, um, you know, we, I sort of, I think I might have coated Ray and the son at one point um, after a game when I hadn't played and maybe, again, might have had a couple of lemonades after the game. Got a bit excited. Um, but again, that was just a bit of frustration, really, I think, because I, I just wanted to play. I didn't want to sit. I didn't want to sit up in the stand and, and sit up there, especially being injured the season before. It was just frustrating for me. So, 
Yeah, you must have felt you've had you had something to prove to yourself as well, being injured for that period of time, getting yourself fit, getting back in, and then obviously it didn't quite work out. Yeah, all the, listen, all those things come into it. I think nowadays it, it, you'd probably, and I was lucky, I've got a good family around me, good people, but sometimes we're a bit pig-headed, all of us, and, and men especially, aren't we? We don't listen to yeah. everybody else. And at that particular time, I just wanted to play football. I, I was at what I felt I was at the peak of my career at the time. I'd played... I just want to play and it, it, it you know you get frustrated you get to a Saturday sit on the bench not come on and then go away do what you've got to do during the week feel like you're training really well and then just get nothing in the end of it and in the end it's like no I can't do this I need to go and play football yeah I need to play football and that's what I did fair play to you mate um, Greg did you have something there just again I know you mentioned a few of them players mate um, that was there at the time at QPR there's a few that Mark Hately, I saw. What was he like? Because, I mean, he was a brute, wasn't he? He was just Great striker, man. so big in that. Um, and then there was a couple of others as well. Uh, Quasi, Nigel Quasi, MP, um, Rufus Brevet. Just some yeah. of the ones he didn't, that he didn't mention. I just, But oh, Trevor Sinclair as well. I just wanted to talk about him. Yeah. Like, how good yeah. is he? Was you there when he scored that overhead kick? No, I'd left by then. Oh, but again, those I remember the, that. Mark Haitley was a real funny one because Ray obviously knew him from Rangers and brought him down. Yeah. And he was, a, like I said, a good player. But he was his body was almost broken in some respects. Come to a Friday, not his, you know, just how he played. Come to a Friday, he didn't train. His, his thing was he didn't want to train. He wanted to be hungry for a Saturday. So we'd literally have a little wander around, little jog and whatever. That was just him. <laughs> just because of what they'd done in Italy and whatever else. So that was that was his thing, which was fine. But he was he was struggling a little bit with injuries. But then something like you say, Andrew Impey, great great guy. Um, I'll tell you a funny story about that in a minute. Um, there was there was all there. Trevor was a really good player. You could tell, you know, that Trevor was had something special at, even at that time. At, like Andrew, you know, internationals. Um, and I think I didn't do myself any favors. We had a we was working in a in a one of the training sessions anyway. So. I think it was, we were doing 40 metre, 60 metre and 80 metre sprints at the time. So anyway, obviously they got their list out and whoever it was, I think it was um, the assistant at the time, his name's going out there, Frank Sibley was the assistant at the time. So he's calling out the old first, you're thinking, fight, 60 metre sprints, I'm thinking, no problem at all, I know what group I'm in. So anyway, he's called the old first names out, Danny Maddox, Trevor Sinclair, Andrew Impey, and I'm thinking, cool, they're all roadrunners, that lot, they're rapid. <laughs> he's only put me in the second group with another lot of whippets. <laughs> and I'm not blessed with pace honestly I'm not blessed with pace pace of you know, speed of mind but that's about it so as he's sort of named the second group I've stuck my head up I've gone wait uh, just a quickie mate I think you put me in the wrong group I said this is like Premier League I said I'm down in the fourth division stick me down there mate with the runners with you so I don't know if that went down so well I'm not so sure but um, I certainly weren't going to race against people like Andrew Impionet because they were quick you know, at that time, I said, no, nah, you know, 20 metres, I'll be 20 metres and they're finished. So, <laughs> probably didn't help, but couldn't help myself. Couldn't get too embarrassed. But, yeah, they're, they're, again, it, they were good They were good guys. Um, I just didn't, just didn't like it. As I said, I, I, I'm all for one that if you're not enjoying something or it's not enjoyable to do it, whatever you do, don't do it. And at that time, it wasn't that I wasn't going to do football. I just wasn't going to do that football club. And I wanted to enjoy my football. I wanted to go into work. I, 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 loved, I loved training. I loved football. I, I always saw it as a hobby that I got paid for. It wasn't a job. It was not, by no means a job. And if I wasn't enjoying my training and, and coming out of there with a smile on my face, 
you, you have tough times, you're injured, whatever else. But if I wasn't doing that, there's no point in me doing it. Not at that football club. Yeah, no doubt. And then, so when you re, when you've rejoined with uh, Mark McGee over at Wolves, um, you obviously spent the majority of your career at Wolves. That's where you played played your most football. Um, was it your second season there or first season when you got to the playoffs? And then uh, second season, I signed there in the Christmas. Um, I signed there, and again, I get your list up now, Greggy boy, because you're on the old internet. I can see you on that. No, no, no. I've already done my own work, mate. He, oh, loved, he loves a player spot, old Greg, from night. Maybe <laughs> with Steve Ball. Uh, listen, it was honestly, I've played with players there that I played with Gordon Cowens, John the Wolf. Which Gordon Cowens, the nose. Yeah. Villa. Aston Villa player, yeah. What a player. Yeah, I remember him. Great player. But like I said, I signed there. They, I think I signed for Wolves just after Graham Taylor had left and Mark McGee had obviously taken over. Um, he'd gone to Mark had gone to Leicester, done okay with Leicester, and then literally kind of Leicester hated him because he jumped ship because Wolves Taylor went and Mark McGee had a job. And I obviously was his first signing. Vinnie Samway signed on loan, okay, and yeah. I signed permanently at that time. And I walked into the change room, obviously. Obviously, you back your own ability, you don't sort of look at who's there, but I sort of walked in, and there was about 40 odd pros in there Paul Birch, Gordon Cowens, John the Wolf. Uh, Jeff Thomas, you know, the list, Tony, Tony Daly, Steve Frogger. Played with Robbie Keane as well. Was Robbie Keane yeah, there? Later, Robbie Keane. Yeah, later. Come through the ranks there, didn't That's they? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. But I'm walking into a dressing room and you're looking at all these guys that are in there. Don Goodman. This a, there's, a, there's a dressing room full of solid, experienced pros, you know, and I'm looking and going, Jesus Christ, how are you not getting promoted? How you got bought by Bolton the year before when they should have really... And... Um, sort of walked in there and there was 40 odd pros and, and it was just like, wow, this, you know, this club is got to be able to get up out of this club. So struggling that season, obviously uh, avoided relegation. And then the season after is when uh, we got into the, the playoff final, the playoff semi, sorry. And um, unfortunately lost the Palace, one of my former clubs in that one. Yeah. Cause I was going to say, was, was there a lot of players in that Palace side that you played with at Palace or not? Not as many then. It obviously, gone a little bit there was still a few left in there I think uh, Simon obviously Simon Rodgers stayed around for a few oh. was there. Dougie Friedman came to Wolves after so I knew Dougie um, it all changed around quite a lot really at Palace I think quite quite quickly obviously I left there in 94 um, I think the playoff final, the playoff semis was 97-98 season so it, it does turn around pretty quickly um, but yeah it was it was a strange one because we came down to Sellers for the first leg um, were two one down, and then we gave away a goal late on to go three one. Um, took them back to Wolves. Probably one of the best atmospheres I ever played in on a Tuesday night under the lights. And we were, we got to we got to two one, so we needed that extra goal to take it to extra time, but just couldn't get it. And then Palace obviously went on into the final, and um, I think they lost that year. I think I can't even remember now. It's getting old. <laughs> but yeah, go, go on, Greg. Uh, I, I know you've mentioned names, mate. I've I've got some. Brian Law, um, is it Darren Ferguson as well? That I, I Darren was there, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I was just going to ask what he was like, because obviously, I mean, he made his way up through Man United and that, and then obviously, obviously got shipped out. But was he any good? He's a good player, Darren. Yeah, really good yeah. player. Uh, yeah, he's got a premiership medal, which he, he likes to tell people every now and then. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, no, he's a really good footballer, Darren. Good left foot, whatever else. Again, it, probably a bit similar to me. We weren't blessed with the greatest of pace, but he was neat, tidy on the ball and, and stuff like that. Um, and we played together the first season and a bit, and then Darren obviously left and went off and then uh, done all his stuff there. But he was always good with, with the guys there. Brian Law, there was a massive incident with the bus, but we won't talk about that one. Feel um, free if you want to. He drove the bus around Wolverhampton, didn't he? <laughs> you, know, you know, we were talking off air before and about Welsh. Yeah. Welsh. <laughs> oh, I told you, mate. I told you. Yeah, and he, um, he may well have had one or two uh, of those dodgy lemonades that they have. And he decided one day <laughs> to bus parked outside the Wolverhampton bus station and he decided to drive it around the ring. Oh, shit. <laughs> he may have got arrested, but you'll have to Google <laughs> oh, I wasn't, I wasn't. I wasn't there then. <sighs> But I know Brian, and he, he basically he went ball again Christian, did Brian. Great lad, great lad. Wow. One of the only men I've ever seen head the ball off the floor by someone's foot. He fell over and tried to head the ball out of play and headed the ball by someone's foot. Oh, John Serry. <laughs> <John Sarah. laughs> That's a Phil Jones uh, yeah. trait that as well, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then, obviously, like... To be honest, that team as well with Wolves, it's crazy that you just always were there or thereabouts within like the playoffs, but was always just on the fringes. Like you even got to the was it the FA Cup semi final in the was it yeah. the second year or third year there? FA Cup semi final against Arsenal. Yeah. Um, it just goes to show sort of the level that team was at. Was there a lot of pressure around? Like the club, knowing how talented the, the, the squad was, did, did did the fans feel that the, the side were underachieving, or what, what was the sort of vibe around the, around the place? Yeah, they did. They, it was it's, it's talked about so many times when whenever I go back and I still play the odd vets games from, and it's always mentioned that sort of era. Why? How come we never quite made it? You know, the look at the players we had. We you know on our day we could beat anyone. Can't honestly can't answer that. If I could answer that question, I'd bottle it and sell it. It just key moments in key moments in seasons just let ourselves down, uh, have a bad week, lose a game, draw a game, get to kind of get out of it. But we just we just couldn't get through it. There was a massive expectation at the time when Graham Taylor took over, um, and I think that weighed heavy at certain times on people. The supporters expected or didn't expect. That's the wrong word. They anticipated Wolves being up and around there to get up. They they felt Wolves were a Premier uh, a Premier League team basically, and it just didn't quite happen. You know, we we get close or be in the playoffs and then just falter out of it, or be in there and drop out of it. And, and it just it, for whatever reason it didn't it didn't happen. Not for the want to try, and not that we'd sat in there. We'd you know we'd sit in many a, a, a of an evening or whether it was afternoon, going through what we could do, what was happening, what wasn't, and can't answer it. You could ask, there was loads around that time from Robbie Keynes, as, as Matt's mentioned, through to everybody, Steve Ball. There's no rhyme or reason to why we did it. Yeah. How good was Bully as well? Bully's the best goal scorer I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. He's like natural, a, natural goal scorer. Legend up there, isn't he? Honestly, natural goal scorer. He, he was, obviously, I was lucky enough to play with Ian and, and people like that, but as a, and Robbie, different. But as a natural, natural goal scorer, Probably never seen anything like it. He used to hate finishing on a Friday, not interested. Just, just didn't. It wasn't his thing. It wasn't. It was all false. It, it was. It was. It, yeah, this is false. It's not. It's not real. 
and then you'd play on a Saturday and the ball would just drop and it all of a sudden it'd drop over his head and he'd smash it in the top corner. No thought about it. Or he'd get <laughs> it tap it in. You know, you don't I don't care what division you play at. And it, you know, he played it for England, I think playing in the second division at the time, or third division. Yeah. Uh, he should have played more, shouldn't he, for England? Probably, but it, again, it's difficult. But honestly, as a natural goal scorer, he was frightening. Frightening. You you sort of hit balls at time, and I, I I got on really well with Stephen. I was lucky enough to, you know, I'd I'd play passes that might get cut out, and I'd look rubbish, and everyone would cope me. But if it went through and he scored, I was the best thing since sliced bread. And yeah. some of the stuff that he did, again, just just natural goal scoring, just natural goal. Complete different to Robbie Keane. Robbie Keane was an artist. Robbie Keane was an absolute artist. He would tear people. Good footballer. Clever, could fit it. Just, just well, you don't do what he's done without being that. And he completely chalk and cheese in some respects. Bully was sort of hustle bustle, but a fantastic finisher. Yeah, so, different class. Right up there. Go, go on, Greg. Um, just a couple of bits, mate. From um, so you scored against QPR. Was that the was uh, when, when was that? Was that in free kick? Is it not? <laughs> not even remember it, sorry. Yeah, mate, it's just the second season. I'm a free kick specialist in my own world. <laughs> I was just going to say, how did that feel? Yeah. Ginger tell you that. Change, mate. Don't worry about that. Go on, mate. How did that feel, scoring against them? Like, obviously, yeah. after It's funny, because I've always celebrated... I don't score against many of my teams, but it, it was kind of a bit of bittersweet, if I'm honest with you. The worst thing was, though, Dicho got a better goal than mine, so I was gutted. <laughs> that was when Dicho hit that volley from about 40 yards I don't know if you remember it Danny Dicho oh no oh, oh, well, yes I do remember that goal well I'd scored a decent free kick to be fair and then the ball dropped to him and he scored one from 40 yards so it made mine seem a bit rubbish he scored some goals here actually yeah he did again he was another one of the lads that I was there we didn't even mention him he was one of the guys that were there him and Kevin Gallon were there at the time at QPR so but yeah, it, it was it was nice to score against them. I never really had great games, if I'm honest with you, going back to Loftus Road. It, it, it's one of them funny grounds, tight, horrible. Always the game always every time I've ever played there, and it's certain places you play, it always seems so congested and just us to yeah. bustle. I mean, Sellers Park's the same. Every time it I've ever looks smaller than what it what it like. It's obviously a proper sized pitch, but it always just looks small, doesn't it? it feels Loftus small as well. I've been there a few yeah, times yeah. as an away fan. It always yeah. feels small. I hate Loftus yeah. Road. I've been there a few times. It's tiny, isn't it? It's like yeah, like that. yeah. It feels like that when you play. Sometimes it just feels like everywhere you go, like you, you, oh, I've got a bit of space here, but you haven't. <laughs> Turn around, you. you're at the entry. I've got some fan on my shoulder. Get to it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll always hate it there as well for that. In recent times, they've got that Moroccan fan in the crowd with his fucking rattle. He started to pull them when that Adel Tarapt was there. Oh, mate, he is a pain in the ass. that fella in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> All game long, it's like, oh, God, shut up. <laughs> like you're in the World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> Even his own fans are turning around like, mate, give it a rest. <laughs> you also said, you, you never got suspended, mate, but you did. You missed. You missed obviously that big game. What? What, what was that? Like? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't ideal timing for me, was it? To be honest, yeah. Um, we played away. Uh, we beat Leeds in the quarterfinals. Oi. Oi! Don't mention that. Oh, yeah, you're not allowed to say that. Why I say that? No. That we beat Leeds, who were the Premiership team at the time, at Ellen Road. Okay, I won't say that. No, we'll keep that one quiet. <laughs> 
we'll leave that one alone here. And then, <laughs> we won't mention that again. Um, and then, got drawn obviously against against Arsenal, Villa Park, and I play. We were playing away at Ipswich, and we was having one. And I was getting the, we were getting the run around in midfield. So I, Bobby Petter, I don't know if you again left footed fella. Yeah, he was at Celtic. Was he American? Yeah. Uh, Dutch fella, Bobby. Dutch, Dutch. He's a he's a DJ now. Bit of useless information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so he was. They were calling him right. They were basically thinking. So anyway, I thought well, I've got to try and do something. Here. So I've wellied him basically. Um, <laughs> wellied him. <laughs> yeah, the old fellow, the old fashioned. Have one of them. Maybe it might liven us up a little bit. Done that. Didn't happen. Anyway, the next time I didn't. I just mistimed it very slightly. Not there as quick as I could. Ref, honestly, gov. And uh, <laughs> I was sent off. And it's a long old walk back into the far corner at Portman Road. So I've obviously gone all the way back into the corner, got sent off. We lost 2 0 at the time. Obviously, the boys are coming. Sorry, lads. I didn't, you know, sorry. Got sent off anyway. And then Mark McGee's come in and started tearing a few strips off people. And he's in his sort of tearing strips off people. He goes, and him over there, he doesn't even realise he's going to miss the semi final. So I was like, oh, Jesus. Did you uh, not realise? Nah, at the time you just do what you do, and it, it's sort of done that. And then the worst thing about that, you find me two weeks wages for getting sent off as well. Oh no! <laughs> got, a got a double whammy at the time. Oh, yes, then, yes. So I was, <laughs> I was suspended for the semi-final, and then again, if you if you talk to a lot of Wolves fans, that is one of their their biggest gripes about that time. They pick, we picked a team. They Robbie Keane never started. Steve Ball never started. Uh, against Arsenal, I think it was Christopher Ray scored the winner one nil. I remember that. Was that ninety five or ninety six? Ninety eight. Sorry, ninety eight. That's it. I remember that. Yeah, Christopher Ray got a one nil. Arsenal were way way off it. They they were poor that day, and we we he played Steve Claridge and somebody else up front, and he dropped Steve Ball and Robbie Keane, and everyone wow. went mad. I think I remember that so well because Chris Murray scored fuck all goals for Arsenal. I think he scored about <laughs> goals and that was one of them. Yeah. Man. You won it as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. That's why I remember it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it was just, it was just a strange one. Like I said, so you sort of, I get, I'll go to Villa Park and sit up in the stands, which was fantastic. Um, go, on, go on, Greg. Um, just a few more players. That I, I wanted to see... Um, Julian Lescott was obviously he was quite young then. Um, Adiakin Bai. Now was 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 the story true then? Did he have to did he have to train in front of an open goal then or what? He was good at Wolves, wasn't he? No, he done well for us. Yeah, he done well for us. Yeah, that, no, that one was Ketsbaya. Tamuri, good lad. Was he mental or what? Different planet. He was the one who smashed the advertising hoardings with really. yeah. beating up Alessandro Pistoni for trying to yes. stop him doing it. Yeah, <laughs> he was. He weren't on. He was a different level. Not not in the right world. Was he, he just mental? Right. Was he? Yeah, it, no, just not mental. Just 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 Tamuri, just weird. <laughs> Lovely fella, if you get to him, but just do his own stuff. He was um, honestly the best two foot. One of the best two footed players I've ever played. Tamuri, good, great footballer, great footballer. Was this just, was this before he was at Newcastle or after? After. I was going to say it's after. Going to be after because I don't even remember him really being at Wolves. To be I honest, I don't know. One season, yeah, one season then. Yeah. He scored the opening day of the season. He scored a free kick on the opening day of the season, but a really good footballer. But just a bit of a 
bit of a maverick, really. Just, just a maverick. Just that's the, the easiest way for me to describe him is that's what he is. But honestly, great footballer. I mean, I, I got on a right with Tamu and whatever, but you'd see him train and you'd go to him, what foot do you actually, what's your better foot? And he went, well, it used to be me right, but I've worked so well on my left, it might be me left now. I'm not sure. Wow. Christ. Fair play. Yeah, but, you know, he'd have that little chop. I don't know if you can remember it. He'd sort of send people for the old hot dog and chop them back. And, but, yeah, just, just a bit of a maverick. I think he went on to manage George or whatever at one point, didn't he? I Did think he? he managed the national team. Wow. I'm sure he did. Greg, get, get your iPads on. <laughs> there is the man for that, mate. I'll have a, yeah. I'll have a quick break. Greg's got about seven screens there. You just no, can't. I'll, I'll just do my own work and then I'll just go off of that. <laughs> He's, like He's like a trader. They're everywhere. Look, on news round. <laughs> did old, yeah. I, I did yeah. like old um, Tamari catch by. Yeah. Good you know, you Kevin Muscat. Muscat, yeah. He was a bit of a dirty <laughs> kit, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I've got some. I've got some names written down. I just ain't even asked yet. Oh, yeah. Dan Sables, Keith Curl, Keith Curl. Yeah, yeah. Ewan Roberts. Yeah, I remember yeah. Ewan Roberts. Big Jason Roberts as well. Jason came in for a little bit. He was. He came yeah. in on trial only for a couple. I, I, I know Jason, and he came in for for a couple of weeks way back. Dougie Friedman, obviously Palace Dougie, Yeah, David Connolly. David Connolly. Yeah. Right. We had uh, I played well so loads lucky. Of loads, of loads and loads of players there. You know, Keith was Keith was a good player, um, fit boy. Obviously, been at Wimbledon way, way back. Had a dodgy knee, but could oh, could that boy run? Um, and a good and a good captain at the time as well. There was there was lots of them. You know, like I said you, you you kind of forget. I think until you sort of start bringing them up, I forget. Yeah. Yeah. Probably because I'm old, but I just forget that the. That's, that's why I always write them down, though, mate. Because even sometimes I there's names there that I didn't even realise. Like I didn't even know Tony Daly played for Wolves. Yeah, yeah. I, I snapped a tendon. I didn't snap it, but he kicked my foot to snap his tendon. Oh wow! Yeah, weren't my fault, honestly. <laughs> um, I did have. A, I had a quick look. So he did. He did go into management, catch fire, and he he did manage Georgia. He's managed some big clubs. He's managed Olympiacos, Apoel, yeah. um, AEK Athens. He's yeah. managed some, yeah. Where where did he come from before he came to English football? He was at uh, uh, he was at Tbilisi, then Anorthosis Famagusta, who he manages now. Yeah, and and Athens. Oh, he's, Athens. Been, he's been around, isn't he, the fella? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Doors a hot country. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he went to Wolves. <laughs> <laughs> it was warm in the Midlands, mate. You know that. <laughs> Wolves in Newcastle. We got it all wrong, didn't we? Yeah, he must have been on the gloves and tights when he was there for sure. <laughs> um, and then obviously Mark Mark McGee got got the tin tack at Wolves, and his assistant Colin Lee took over. Was that strange? And how did they fall out? Is that why Colin stayed on? Or I I thought it was. At the, we, we all thought it was very strange at the time. They had a, they can't, it got a bit frosty between the pair of them, but there was a lot. There's a, there's a, again, I do a lot of stuff with Wolves with the charity stuff. There's one of a few teams, that, and there's a, there's a podcast done by Colin Lee that I listen to, and um, it kind of enlightened a lot. Of, I didn't know a lot of what he was saying at the time. There was a lot of backfighting behind the scenes, uh, a lot going on in the boardroom and everything else like that that they were trying to do. And I think they did fall out most definitely, um, but it wasn't as a sort of cutthroat as bad as everyone said at the time that Colin Lee had come in. But us as players at the time were like, oh, that's a bit weird. You know, he stabbed him in the back, and he, yeah. that's just a 
that's just a natural reaction as a player going, well, he's gone. He's his assistant. They've been at the last three clubs together, but he's still here. That, mm, that's a bit strange. That's um, what I thought, looking at it as well. Yeah, as an outsider, you, you would do. You know, we're inside within that sort of bubble, looking at it going, really? Oh, OK, this, this is a bit strange. Um, obviously, I always got on all right with Colin, yeah, coaching-wise. Colin was... Mark was a bit... Mark was a man-manager and a sort of bit like that. Colin was a very meticulous, good coach. He was the sort of one that would set the sessions up and do all that, and Mark would that be the other man. Yeah, and, it, and that was sort of how it was. And Mark was a bit more of a man, and Mark could be the one that would win a game and we'd go, I'll see you Tuesday. But Colin would be going, no, we've got this plan and whatever, and that's kind of how he was. Um, so we always liked Mark better, but no, no, really. Um, even though he nicked his golden boot out of his house, but that's another story. Um, and uh, he was sort of that, and then he came in, and it's like, mm, that's a bit weird. I then, I think I got injured. Or I think I was carrying injury and was injured again for a little bit, and then came back. And then me and him had a bit of a falling out about a little bit. I got back in the team again and got back into it, but it was a real strange, strange atmosphere. Strange atmosphere, to say the least, at that time, when he'd gone, come back, sort of, as the manager. Um, and it was just sort of, it was almost a transitional period. Joe Lee was coming through the younger lads. We'd signed Robert Taylor from Man City. He was constantly, he, he unfortunately was injured. Um, and we just, we sort of flitted around about mid-table and then Colin left. Um, John Moore that took up a little bit. Was that when Dave Jones came in? John Wall took over for a tiny little bit thing, and then Dave Jones came in. Uh, yeah, Dave basically came in as the new manager, announced him, and then uh, my contract was coming to end that season, and then myself and Dave didn't quite see eye to eye, and I left uh, to go to. I was going to say that was you lasted six months with him there. It wasn't very long, was it? No, my contract was coming to an end. Um, yeah, I was out of contract at the end of the season. I've been there. I was, I was, I'm fortunate. I was club captain at Wolves at that time. Kevin Muscat was club, the team captain. I was club captain. So I'd been there some time. And in all fairness, we hadn't got promoted. Um, Dave was coming in and he decided that he was going to make a few changes. Obviously, that's just part and parcel of what you do at the yeah. time. We fell out on one or two little bits and pieces. I just felt I was sticking up for, for other people, maybe. Um, obviously, I broke my toe. There was a couple of other players injured. I just felt he was treating at the time. He was probably coming in to try and make a mark, he, he, you know. And um, I felt he was treating a couple of people a bit. And I saw I had one or two things to say. Yeah, you know, I was an experienced, I was club captain, so I had yeah. that ability possibly to have a little bit of a say. And then um, I never was going to play again. And then I left and went to Tranmere. But then, you know, in all fairness, he got promoted. When I came back, I didn't have a club at the end of the season when I Tranmere got messed about by an agent. I spoke to the club. Dave was fine, absolutely. Let, let me come in and train and, and keep ticking over. So it was good as gold. It's just one of those things that happens. In That's football. good of him. Yeah, no, listen, honestly, I've got all respect for every single manager I ever played under. Um, mm. We fell out. I left. I phoned him back up and said, can I come back in and train? He said, of course you can. No problem at all. Just just to keep ticking over. It, it happened at the time. It, it's football, isn't it? It's, it's, oh. it's, it's, it's what happens. It's the same in work sometimes. You don't always like everybody you work with sometimes. You have a fallout, you're big enough and ugly enough to get over it. And I've certainly, at the time, he he was he was right. He, he, he broke the team up. He brought Alex Ray, Colin Cameron, Paul Lintz. And got successful and all, wasn't it? Yeah, so he, he was right in what he was doing at the time. He just felt at the time that that's what he saw. So I, I went, I think Kevin Musket went the year after and whatever else. So he, he sort of, he'd he done what he was meant to do. At least he was honest with you. Like we, We've had a few pros on like recent weeks 
that have had various problems where managers haven't told them and they've just kept them in the dark a lot and they'd rather just be pulled and say, look, we're going in a different direction. So at least like he's done that as well. Yeah, I think, listen, honesty is the best policy in anything, isn't it? I think in any walk of life, wherever you're doing, if it's if it's not working or you fancy a change or they want to change or whatever it is, then, you know, you can suffer in silence. Um, like I said, we we had our disagreements, we had our fallouts, and then he said, look, you know, I'm moving forward, your contract's coming up. Um, I didn't agree with him, which is fine. And I left, and then when, when we'd done that, and he allowed me, you know, the end of the season come, and I didn't have a club to go to. But I needed to keep training and, and keep ticking over and keep, obviously, with the, the injuries that I had previously, you know, keep up my rehab stuff as well. He was absolutely fine and let me come into the club and, and do what I needed to do. So it was great. That's good, mate. And then, obviously, you said you went out on loan to, to Tranmere before leaving for, for, for Port Vale. Um, was, was John Aldridge the manager? No, John had gone. It was oh, he'd Ray, gone. Ray Matthias and Kevin Sheedy, the absolute legend of a left foot Kevin Sheedy. We had his, his, uh, his nephew oh. on. Last week, Gareth Davies. Yeah, that's right. He is, isn't he? Yeah. Um, oh, he's cousin. Sorry, he's cousin. Yeah, cousin. I, I know they're related somewhere along the line, aren't they? Yeah. No, basically, I. Everyone says loan. I. I left. Basically, my contract was terminated at Wolves, and I signed for Tramley till the end of the season. Oh, so just it was like a short term. Yeah, it was a short term thing. Deadline day, one of those sort of last minute type things. Dug meals in. Said I'm not leaving. Um, <laughs> basically, he's called Jez Mox, who's an absolute nugget. Um, <laughs> the commercial director who come in and hey, listen, go on the forums. Jez Moxie, everyone thinks he's a nugget. It wasn't just me. And um, <laughs> I dug me was and said, well, I'm not going. I'm not going unless you, we had sort out some one or two financial issues that you owe me some money. Um, and so I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd done six years at Wolves, but you know, I felt that that particular time treat me with respect that I deserve. Um, so we had a little bit of a ding dong. I then went, no problem, mate. I'll see you. I'll stay here. You've got to pay me till July. So I got back in my car to go home. By the time I five minutes down the road, he'd, uh, he'd, he'd decided to uh, to uh, agree to pay me what he owed me, basically. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we turned over the contract that, about quarter to five. I signed for Tramir. So <laughs> deadline day was like five o'clock, and that deadline day, so about quarter to five, I signed for Tramir and went and signed for them. Great. Loved it. Travelled from Wolverhampton to Tramere. Great guys there. Again, you know, Jason Kumas. Um, Is he there? Yeah, yeah, Jason. That's there. where he made his name, wasn't it? Tramere. Yes, it was. Yeah, he made his name through there. Big yeah. Dave Chaloner we talked about prior yeah. to, the, to the show. Wayne Allison. Um, oh, God. Come on, Greg. Where are you, mate, with your name? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm Tramere. It's one of the only ones I didn't really look at. <laughs> oh, Greg. Um, yeah, Steve Yates, people like that that have been at QPR with me. So I, I went there. They were bottom of the league at the time. Um, Ten games to go, I think it was. Um, didn't stay up, but I just, I really enjoyed it. I had a great time up there and played every game. Just got back into the swing of playing football again, which is what I wanted to do. And then they got relegated. I really wanted to stay in the championship. I think I was 30 there at the time. And I wanted to stay in the championship. Um, and then had an agent, the usual rubbish, got messed around loads, Tramway offered me a contract, which I said hold fire on. I won't bore you with all the intimate details. I basically ended up, come the pre-season, I had no football club. So I had nowhere. Um, so I've gone from club captain at Wolves to within, like I said, it was March. So within four months, I had no football club. Uh, was basically unemployed. So, so it was, 
know, yeah, yeah, it did. Mad, seems seems mad, doesn't it? And again, it was all, it was all, I'm not going to just completely, the agent was an absolute, I won't swear, because I don't do that. You can um, swear. No, he just did basically just 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 lied. I'd have signed for Tramier. If I'd have known what had happened, if I'd have hindsight been a wonderful thing, I'd have signed for Tramier. No, 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 football club for, for the next uh, three years, which is what they offered me. I didn't do that. I ended up, no club. I ended up going to, I trained, I, I travelled to Scotland, played for St. Johnston. I went to Huddersfield. I went for Huddersfield for one day, told Lou McCarvey he's a prick and walked out. Um, Good scammer. Oh, it's worst training I've ever known. Anyway, went to one or two places. We won't go into them. And then, um, so I was I was basically doing that. And then I was in the car going to Halifax to play for a guy called Tony Parks. And yeah. just to play football, I was literally in the car, got on the M6, driving to go towards Halifax. And a friend of mine who's now an agent, Bobby Barry, who I do the academy stuff with, yeah. a guy called Mike Drew, I've known for years as an agent. He phoned me up because I'd already gone out to him and said, look, if you, if you know anyone, just I need a club. I need to play football. He phoned me up and said, listen, I've just spoken to uh, Brian Horton at Paul Val. Would you go in there? I went, yeah, it's 30 minutes from Wolverhampton. Of course I'll go in there. So I literally phoned Tony Parks up. I pulled up at Nutswood Station and the M6, phoned Tony Parks up, said, look, Tony, thanks for the offer. Uh, I was going to come up and play, but Paul Val's closer to me. I'm going in there to train today, see what happens. He was good as gold, fine. I literally turned the car back around, drove back into Paul Val, went back in. Saw Brian Orton, he went, listen, the first team's not in. Go and train out the back there. Let's have a look, see what's happening. And I'll have a chat with you afterwards, see what's going on. So I um lucky, you know, with the Wolves bits and whatever else, I kept myself in decent shape for me anyway. I was never going to eat pace. And trained with the team that was out there. Um, the session finished. He said, right, have a warm down. Sort of a bit stern with me. And I'm looking going, oh, I've done something wrong. And he went, come and see me in the office. I'm thinking, I haven't done nothing wrong. I did I don't think I kicked anyone. I might have moaned a bit, but I can't remember kicking anyone. It was important anyway. And and just sort of went back in. He, he got changed, whatever else. Didn't know where I was going. Someone pointed me in the right direction of the manager's office. Sort of knocked on the door, went in, he went, right, sit down. So I said, yeah, all right. He said, so come on in, tell me the story. And I went, well, I haven't got a story really to tell. What is it? Sort of, it, I, I don't know what it was. He just went, well, you've been at here and you've come there. Why have you not got a football club? You must have done something wrong. You think he was a bad egg? Yeah, and I went, listen, phone all the want, phone Joe, Joe Jones now if you want to phone it. It's nothing to do with that. Told him that, and he went, okay, what do you want to do? I went, well, I want to play football. So he literally went upstairs, come back down and said, listen, I can sign you for a month for a minute because that's all I've got. You all right with that? I went, yeah, fine. And that was it. There was no negotiation, no... I just literally went, yeah, fine. So I signed, signed the contract for a month. And he went, you're not playing in reserves Thursday, you're playing Saturday. That's it. Brilliant. That'll do. What happened after the month expired? Did you stay there? Or... That's when Gillingham no. came in, wasn't it? Yeah, that's when, yeah. So I, I signed there for the month. They Gillingham had gone to the championship. They were one of the clubs in the summer. Cut a long story short with the agent. There was, there was Stan at Burnley. Gillingham was another club that had been in the championship. These these people were interested, but nothing had materialised. So anyway, it, it all got to it. And then people get their squads set and it's it's done. So I played the, the month at Port Vale. And Andy Hessenthaler was at Gillingham. And then I've now engaged with another couple of agents said, listen, if you get me a club, a longer term deal, whatever it is, you'll get your fee paid for you sort of thing. And um, Andy Hessenthaler showed an interest at Gillingham. They was in the championship. Uh, Brian Horton sort of said, I can give you maybe to the end of the year. They offered me two years. So for me, it's, you know, at my age, it's two years. It's kind of back home to where I was sort of closer to me. Yeah. Um, 
and I managed to go down and sign for, for Gillingham. Literally walked into Brian Orton, shook his hand, said, listen, thanks ever so much for everything you've done for me. I'll never forget what you've done, because in all fairness to him, that was, if I didn't get that, that was probably me done. Yeah. Um, and he was absolutely fine. He said, listen, good luck to you. Thanks very much for the eight games and, and all the best. Fair enough. Um, during your time, actually, at Gillingham, I'm going to steal Greg's funder here on a couple of players. Um, there, there was a few names that, that stood out for me. A young kid at the time, J. Lloyd Samuel, um, was was there. And and Marlon King as well. Yeah, big Marlon. Um, but there's one who's one of my heroes that you, you played with there, is Rodney Wallace. Big, yeah, Rod. Yeah, great guy. Yeah, what was he like? It. Rod, great player, Rod. I... Yeah. I I'd had I'd played against the brothers down at Southampton when I was a kid. Ray as well, wasn't it? Yeah, there was Ray, Danny, and Rod. Danny, that's it. Yeah, yeah, because Danny obviously, unfortunately, got uh, MS. I think Danny has or something. So when Rod signed, we signed Rod and Tommy Johnston at Gillian the second year I was there. I'd I'd snap I snapped my Achilles the second year, um, but he was a really really good player. Um, I was I was a little bit gutted because I didn't play much that season. I snapped my Achilles the well, I don't think it was the first game of the season. It was a couple of games in, and I missed from August through to I didn't think, I don't think I came back till March. So that was my second season. The first season I'd signed there in September and played all the way through to the end of the season, and it went really well. That was the first season in the championship, I think, for Gillian. We finished tenth. Paul Shaw, Ify Anura, good return. Yeah, and in the second season we finished about the same place again, but I'd only played a few games. Not as many games, I should say, in that second season, obviously, could be injured. But Rod was a, a really good player. Really good player. Um, obviously, you being a Leeds fan. Um, I can't remember. Remember Dylan Curse? He's my mate. He's the same. Way back in the era when you won the Premier League. It's a long time ago, isn't it? Yes, it is. It was uh, 92. Exactly, yeah. So It was the year before it became the Premier League, wasn't it? It was the old first division. The... Yeah, yeah. So, um, he was there and it was... It was it was kind of crazy, really, because like little town in a little club in Kent, Gillingham, we were probably getting eight to ten thousand. Finished tenth in the championship, and in the second season, finished the same again. Had a couple of half decent cup runs. We played against the mighty Arsenal. We were two all with the mighty Arsenal. Matt, I'll have you know that hybrid. And uh, I'll tell you a story about that in a minute. It's a good one. All over. Remember that one, Matt? No, I can't say I do. To be honest. Well, basically, after beat us 5-2, it would have been 2001, potentially. 2001. 2000. I'm team then, mate. Would that have been with, like, Petit and Vieira and Overmars? That would have been that, would have been that era. Vieira, Pires, Henri, Lauren, Sol Campbell. Uh, Shit team, Yeah, rubbish. <laughs> Absolutely rubbish team. Um, oh, dear. But we, 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 we drew them in the cup. And obviously, for us, it was like, brilliant, we're going to play Arsenal at the cup. So we went to Highbury. We were doing well at the time. And we managed to sneak. We were two all at the time. Marlon King scored and Ty Gooden. I can't remember who scored for Arsenal. I think we all scored and somebody else might have scored. And anyway, so at that time, that was probably one of the best team spirits I've ever had. We was all of a similar age, all experienced, good, honest pros. We were some good young guys coming through that needed a, a bit of a slap in the young the old every now and then. Um, and we were playing that game and then we all started laughing and the referee, I can't think it was at the time, looked at us and he went, what's up with you lot? And we went, it's all right. He went, I said, we got half a chance. They're bringing the subs on. Anyway, he's had a look across and we're looking over. We're all giggling. They're bringing in Perez and Henri on. 
after about 60 minutes. So we're going, we're laughing. They're both World Cup winners and we're laughing at the ref. And he's going, what are you not laughing at? We're laughing at Perez and Oi. We've got half a chance. They went from 2-2. And in all fairness, they were, honestly, they were one of the best sides I played against. They went from probably second gear at the time they were playing against us to like fall for a couple of minutes and they ended up 5-2. Yeah, I just I've just googled it. I'm just looking at it right 2000, now. 2001, 2002. Yeah, that's exactly when it was. Uh, yeah, Will Tord was a scorer, and yeah, Ipianura and Gaiapua. Yeah, yeah. That was some Arsenal team. That must be a sickener though. I can't remember it. I can't remember it. I can't even picture it. To it, which is yeah. Unusual. Yeah, it's that's a sickener that, and you see Perez and Henri coming on. <laughs> Oh, listen, that, oh, Carney was playing. Yeah, there's another one. Because I remember they said to me, he's going to throw it down the line, stand in front of me. I'm like, what's the point? I can't even jump. I need a stepladder to get anywhere near him. <laughs> How am I going to stop him flicking it on? It's pointless. He's huge, wasn't he? He was massive. But yeah, they were, they were, they were a proper side. I played against them for Wolves in the Cup as well at, at that. But that, that, that period, they were immense. Yeah. They were yeah. different. I mean, Thierry on me, people sort of look at him and go, he was fantastic, but he was a big guy. Yeah. He was, he was six foot two and could run. Cool. You know, they were, they were that, that team at the time. I didn't play against that Man United team at that sort of era. I never had the, the opportunity to play against that team of that era. But that Arsenal team was some team. Yeah, I mean, despite even, I mean, you could go around the whole team and say it was it probably was amazing, but like the spine of the team... Vieira just uh, watched some clips of Vieira the other day. Just the way he made it look so effortless. Like he's such a massive bloke, but the ball control, the close control he had for a big bloke. And obviously, he's playing in Henri. I mean, if, if he's running off the shoulder, like no one's going to catch him. No, you couldn't catch him. He knows we battered them at Highbury a few years. All right, mate. Every fucking time. Henri's <laughs> <laughs> it, mate. I fucking can't stand Thierry Henry. He scored every time he looked at Leeds United, he scored a fucking goal. You know what I mean? Yeah, Even when he was 58 years old and signed I'm, back for you on I'm short term. Fucking, <laughs> yeah, I went to that game, mate, at, at the Emirates, and he came on as a sub, and we, all the Leeds fans looked at each other. I was like, surely not. And he did. It's nil yeah. nil, and he fucking comes on the classic curl it into the far corner. Yeah. So. Imagine, imagine playing against your open Leeds team now. That'd be like carnage, wouldn't it? Oh God, yeah. <laughs> It'd score about twelve. <laughs> yeah, the way, well, the way we defend sometimes, it wouldn't be nil nil that game, would it? Jesus. It'd be twelve six, would it? Yeah, twelve. Exactly. About to say it'd be something stupid. That'd be some game, to be fair. <laughs> that team would be a great game, wouldn't it? It would, yeah. <laughs> Um, and then obviously after your, your time at, at Jules, you end up moving on and going back with, with Colin Lee, Walsall. Yeah, another fallout of a chairman at Gillingham. Recurring theme, that, isn't it? Um, Common denominator. Four, isn't it? <laughs> Wasn't me. Um, <laughs> Shaggy. Weren't me, Gov. Honestly. Didn't name you Shaggy, I was down by the pool. I was down by the pool, mate, weren't me? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I'm actually signed to them and then Colin Lee phoned me at Walsall, um, kind of said what he was going to do, which Gillingham hadn't inspired me to ever going to do stuff. Colin Lee was like, listen, I've got this project. I know you're back down in London, but I know it's Wolverhampton. You've lived up here before, but I'm going to make this signing, this signing, this signing. And I went, yeah, yeah, of course you are. Um, yeah. So, in fairness to him, 
Yeah, no, you, you get all this. You know, it's it's one of if you're trying to sell a football club to someone to come to do it. I, you know, I'm thirty. What was I then? Thirty two, maybe thirty one. So I'm now moving back from where I've moved home to to go back to the Midlands. So I've got a youngish family. You know, we've moved back home. All of those things start coming into play. But one of the sort of factors was what he was going to do with the team, who he was talking about signing. And obviously for me, I'm now thinking about what I'm going to do after football as in regards to playing. So Colin, for me, was always a fantastic coach. So I'm now starting to think maybe there's an opportunity for me to start learning off this guy. I'd already started my badges. Um, so I'm starting looking at the bigger picture. Um, went up there, signed for him, and he did exactly what he said. We signed Paul Merson. How good was Merce? Because even that, he was at the back end of his career. I remember him tearing it up in the, with, with, with Walsall. Honestly, I've played with so many players along the line. He's honestly in the, right at the top of it. And I mean right at the top of it. As a footballer with no left foot, phenomenal. He He's the best the, best outside of the foot passer of a ball, shot of the ball I've yeah, ever seen. Yeah, I thought I was all right. But honestly, <laughs> that's just me bigging myself up, yeah. I, but honestly, as a footballer... You're allowed to do that. That's what you're here for. He was all right. He was all right. So. Yeah, but honestly, he I think it was the season before, he got Portsmouth promoted. And we was at Jules at the time. And it was like, this is what he does. He will not go back over the halfway line. But if you leave him, he will rip us to shreds. And when, I, when he signed for Walsall and he was... Mercer's got his demons. We all know that. We don't need to talk about that stuff. And obviously, I ended up assisting him and whatever else and I got on great with him and from the first moment for the first moment he got there one because he liked me as a person and we we took the piss and he but also because he knew I could play a little bit as well but he is honestly one of the best players I've played with different like, even now I don't know if you've seen him even when they've done that Harry's Heroes thing he can yeah. still fucking play yeah yeah. yeah you never lose it do you yeah. but you honestly yeah, exactly that, Matt. Exactly that. But what I'm saying to you, even then, it was he has he has one. There's there's no middle ground with us. It's it's one or the other, yeah. and it's yeah. and that's an unfortunate thing, you know. I think again, this is all putting me in today's society now. When you've got a, a player that will be frightening, that the era that we came out of, it was a slightly different mentality about what we had. His Arsene Wenger probably saved him because he would have probably been burnt out whenever he was but just as a footballer I mean the first two goals he scored on the opening day of the season at Walsall this is the new project West Brom local club little old Walsall and we beat West Brom and I mean beat I mean Spanish West Brom and he scored two of the best goals debut goals you'll ever see if you google that game I think that would have been 2003-2004 I'll have to dig them out honestly he was frightening frightening Throw his, throw his toys out the pram, say training was shit and God knows what, and hated this and whatever else and whatever it was. But as a footballer, phenomenal. And and that first part of the season, we were, I'm just trying to think what we were. Colin Lee was the manager. I think we were fifth or sixth Walsall on Boxing Day. We beat Cardiff away. And then um, a guy called Paul Bracewell came in not long after and it just went to pop. Merce kind of went a little bit. We had, a midf- the midfield was basically Vinnie Samways, myself, Steve Carica, and Paul Merson. Bloody hell. Yeah. And that was, that was the wall as well, wasn't he, that Corica? Yeah, good player. Yeah, literally, it just, it, he was, Merce coming in, he was, he was frightening. 
frightening for that bit. And then, as as we all know, he has his demons, and then he he sort of went off off the rails a little bit. I think he ended up back in rehab and then come back. Um, when he come he, back, is that when he because he took over, didn't he, as manager? Yeah, we we kindly went. Um, so we went from I think it was fifth or sixth, I can't remember exactly, and we went we got relegated that season. Christ. And Colin left about four games before the end, and then Merce took over, and I helped him out a little bit at that end. So you was assistant to him, weren't you? Just helping him out. Yeah, four games left, ticking over. And then the next season, he took over, and I went in as coach with him. Um, but it wasn't. It, it, it was probably too early for me. I still wanted to play, and there was too much in it. And I dropped back to just playing. But then the season after, I went back in with him and sort of was assistant manager, stroke coach with him. Um, Honestly, great guy. Great guy. You still in contact with him now? No, not really. It's one of them things. If I see him, I'd have a chat with him. He's down at Bromley, he'd done a talk down there and, and I sort of mentioned the chairman that I know there and he said hello to me. Oh, was he great? Uh, just one of those things. Just, just sort of, he was there and, and when they sort of sacked him, I spoke to him and said, look, I'm going to apply for the job, mate. I want to keep trying to stay in football. And he was like, go for it. You know, I'm not. You know, this is not me, it's not management. Um, I said, look, I just want to do it. It's just the way I do stuff. I'm not, not going to say it. Um, but as a guy, mad as a box of frogs, but brilliant, brilliant fella. As a manager, probably has enough problems managing himself to manage a football team. Done great, what he did, but wasn't wasn't his bag. There's a lot that goes into managing a football club. You know, if you talk to managers, there's an awful lot that goes into it. Oh, God, yeah. There's a reason they all end up getting all their hair falling out and looking like they've aged 20 years in a season, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's why they're a before I come on. <laughs> um, go on, Matty. Yeah, I just wanted to ask a, just a general question. On that point of good players or what you'd say made it at a very good level, why do you don't think that they become good managers quite often? Is it because the level of expectancy is just too much and they can't get it in their head that the individuals that they're coaching can be as good as them? Or what do you think that is? Because very, it's very rare that a player of a level ability or world ability make it as a, as a manager, as a top manager. Why do you think that is? You basically, you've said it, mate. Merce was, you've, you've probably said exactly what Merce said three or four times. Yeah. His expectation, sometimes they couldn't do what he was asking them to do. Yeah. Even when we played at the outset, when we first started playing, he'd expect someone to give him the ball. Even in tight situations, they wouldn't give it to him because they were scared to do it. And at certain times when he was a manager, mate, as you said right there, they couldn't do what he was asking them to or what he would like them to do, or what he expect them to do, what he could do. I remember yeah. we had many conversations every game, Merce, that's why they're at this level. They're not you. Do you yeah. know what I mean? They can't do what you do. Yeah, but they're oh, professional. Yeah. You're a professional, but they're not. You're an international. You're, you're... The, the, the speed of thought and stuff like that must be so different. If he's a player, even if he's at the end of, the career, the end of his career, it's and he's still the there, isn't it? Ball, the person who's got the ball is who's not on the same level thinking, oh, can't pass it through there, not going to get that. He's not going to be able to deal with that. But that's the whole reason he's calling for it because he's seen the picture in his head before it's happened and he knows what he's going to do with it. Exactly that, mate. That's why I think I got on all right with him, if you know what I mean. I was prepared to take sort of risks. Yeah. And I would tell him I'm not giving it to him in an area where I knew I would... If I could give it to him, I'd give it to him because he was, yeah. you know, you far better player. I'd trust him in that. But if I knew... One, he was going to get malleted or 
I was putting him in danger of giving it away. I wouldn't give it to him. Me and him, yeah. would, I think we walked off of a pitch somewhere screaming at each other. Mm. Give me the ball. Fuck off. Give me the ball. I'm not going to give you the ball when you're going to get wellied. Shut up. And it's yeah. like one of them down a the tunnel. And then after the game, we're going to go. I'm like, listen, I'll give it to you when you're going to get it, but I'm not going to put you in that situation. I know I didn't I play premiership. I didn't play that, but I played the championship a long time. You ain't getting in there because you're going to get booted. Yeah. Fact. You ain't having it. But some others would look at him and, and shy away from it. And then others would be completely the opposite and give it to him when they don't need it to him because it's yeah. Paul Merson. Yeah. Give it to Merson. Well, he don't actually want it. He's shouting for it, but he really doesn't want it. He's just shouting. Yeah. And that's yeah. And, I, and then he had the same problem trying to transcend that down to players. Merson, they're at this level. No, I know, but they should be able to do that. Yeah, but they can't. That's why they're here. And, it, it, and I think in the end, he, he, he then got frustrated with it. And then you, you start tinkering with stuff or flipping or trying or constant changing the players. And you don't then get to a process and go, right, that's what we're playing. They're my best 11. That's what we're sticking with. He'd tinker with it and, and play around with it. I think we had 45 players one season. Okay, no. It's, it's almost as if them sort of level of players, if they're going into management, they need to go into management at the top, top level yeah. and have them, similar to sort of Pep when he come through at Barca, like he's sort of gone in with all the best at his disposal straight away. So they're on his wavelength and he can portray what he knows through them as well. Yeah, well, he, it, Pep was lucky, wasn't he? Because he got stuck at Barcelona B. So he was basically the, the, the style and the, the pattern of play or whatever it was, was already set. So that's already down the lines. All he's then doing is coaching that system with the players he's got. And then all of a yeah. sudden, he popped up. Some of those players that he already had had just moved into the first team. So it's just natural for him to do it. You know, someone like Merce, as a man manager, Harry Redknapp says, people say to him, he's never coached in his life. He doesn't coach. But again, Merce, yeah, he, he doesn't coach. He doesn't do the coaching. A lot but of managers Harry, don't, do they? Not, not a lot of, yeah, not many of them do now. It's just changed. But I remember Merce saying a story about when he was at Portsmouth. And I think he might have told it on Harry's Heroes or somewhere. He was playing so well. And then he went to him, uh, you know, Harry, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit. I'm going to go to Sporting Chance and just have a week in there, mate. Sort my brain, blah, 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 blah. Just to get myself all right. We've got a little bit of a season going. Anyway, booked on it. He went to Barbados. Bumped into one of Harry's mates who was out in Barbados, who phoned Harry back and said, yeah, Merce is lovely. He's having a nice time out here. Told Harry. Merce comes back with a suntan. Harry goes, you all right, Merce? How are you doing? You all right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sporting charge is great. Never said nothing else about it. He got him promoted. That's just man management. That's just letting Merce know that he knew. Merce knew he knew where he went, but he yeah. went from him. But digging him out weren't going to help, was it? Nah, but he used to drive him down to Portsmouth every day and back up. See, not, not a lot of people would see that side of the game, like your average average fan, the psychological stuff that goes into what you say to a player and how you treat them and like when you're putting your arm around them, et cetera, et cetera. And how so, they're all different as well. Every player yeah, is different. Really you know? different. Yeah, there's lots of different... Honestly, I've seen them, so many players. It's, it's, it's hard, isn't it? I've seen players far more talented than me that don't make it because of certain things. Pressures, can't handle the pressure, whatever it is and they can't do it I remember you know players literally freezing as you're going to games and it's like really you've, you've been fantastic all week you're a really good footballer but the pressure of giving it away or whatever it is it gets too much to them and yeah some man managers like you say Harry's was always fantastic at it and that's what he's good at he's a man manager that's what he does isn't it and, and that's why he dragged 
something that a player's peps are a manager stroke. I would say Pep's, Pep's more of a coach type person who improves the player by teaching them what they've got to do. He's not a man manager as such because he coached Zinchenko the other day for saying something. So, well, look at look at the evolution of um, Sterling is the perfect example. You can see the talent was there at Liverpool, but City just went on to another level. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, at, 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 as your time comes to an end at, at Walsall, you had um, spells at Hereford and then went into the lower leagues with your, your Bromleys and Crawford and Athletic um, and then brought your career to an end. Then you went into coaching. Um, obviously, you started at, at Bromley in management. What, what was that like, the step into, into management from playing? Um, it was difficult. Obviously, I, I sort of finished at Walsall. I applied for the job, got down to the last sort of two or three. Um, I'd been there three years. I played quite a few games. Um, they decided to go a different way. Obviously, I'd been involved with the Merson scenario and whatever else. So they brought in Richard Money. Um, and then I wanted to continue playing. I was still fit. I went to Hereford, who was local. I didn't have, a, again, same thing. I sort of didn't have a club. Just flitting around. I'm 30, nearly 35. People are sort of a little bit wary. Um, so I was training with Stafford, keep myself ticking over. Then a guy I knew from Gillingham, Wayne Jones, who was a physio at Hereford. I went down and Graham Turner, the old Wolves manager, was then at, at, at Hereford at the time. Went down there, trained and played a couple of games. And then now for me a contract. But unfortunately, circumstances, personal-wise, my wife lost. Um, her sister's son died and her nan died. So she just had enough, basically, wanted to come back home. I got to a point where, what was Hereford for me? Not really. So we moved back. We just came back home. Home for me, obviously, is South London. So I came back down to here and then tried to find a football club down here. I was 30, coming up to 35. Still was fit enough that I felt I could play, but just couldn't get anywhere. Just couldn't get into a club that was all set. Whether they did, you know, seeing me at that age and just try to be assistant, whatever they want to take me, I don't know. I could never answer that. And um, ended up Bobby Bowery, again, was playing at Bromley. Mark Goldberg, who'd done all his money at Palace, was at Bromley. And I, um, I signed for Bromley just to play. Um, and was playing there, which was, what was that at the time? Ryman, so it had been Ryman, yeah. This is yeah, Premier. This is Premier. So that was, I was 35 playing there, twice a week training, loved it, played Saturdays, good fun. Um, managed to get promoted that season and ended up sort of coaching the end of that season to being a manager the following season. Different, obviously I'd grown up around non-league because my dad was involved in it quite a lot, so I kind of knew it. But it's just strange, you know, you're, you're then trying to organise training and someone can't get there because his missus has got the car and the cat's got <laughs> You know what I mean? I've chipped over a yoghurt pot or whatever it is and, and David James has dropped that fucking celecrine bottle in his toe and God knows the excuses they come out with to not make training on a Tuesday night and, <laughs> and stuff Terrible. like that. So, um, yeah, it was a bit of an eye-opener, but great. Loved it. Um, loved it. And then done that. Sort of then played. Still wanted to play kind of thing. Um, so I played... Quite athletic, yeah, helping people out, doing a bit of coaching with them and, and doing that. Um, and I think I played my last competitive game at Seven Oaks, which I think I was 40, 41, maybe 42, 41. Well, pretty good going, mate. Longevity, eh? Yeah, yeah. And like I said, you, I've had, you know, I've had um, 10 operations throughout my career. So, um, uh, Operations, stretch older, snap me both, snap one Achilles and the other scrape. So, broken nose twice. 
So I managed to sneak a few, I think about 500 games um, and still a few injuries. So I was lucky and I'm still play now. I'm still playing the vet stuff now. I still try and run around. I think I'm 20. Uh, Ginger, tell you. Um, <laughs> I, make it, I, make it, I make even him look good. Um, well, at this rate, we'll have to do a little charity game with all the people we've had on interview, boys. We'll sort out how that'd be class. <laughs> we'll, we'll sort of split them, some of us and some of the, the, the pros yeah. we've had and have two teams. Yeah, well, we've done, like I said, Gareth's organised a couple of games for charity and stuff there, and it's always good to do it because it's great when you get back to people and we all think we can play again, but we can't. But it's also good, we, you know, the, the ones I play for up in Wolverhampton, I play for the Wolves All-Stars, it's always about charity. So we always try and raise a bit of money for charity and, and that's the whole aim of it. And if we yeah. can go out people and a few people recognise you and it's great if they don't I don't really care it's just a bit of football and they've got the beers afterwards which is great yeah 100% mate um, and then just to sort of tie that up you ended up managing at Margate as well when when you left there did you ever sort of do you want to go back into the coaching side of the game are you are you doing any now or um I've country Bobby Barry at Valenti Academy I do one night a week that's it um, would I go back into it no not anymore no. Game's changed. Different. It, it, it won't. It's not. It's not the same game. I love football. I'll always love football. I love the game. My son's refereeing. I go and watch him all the time. Would never go back into it. My 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 life has changed away from that now. Um, I moved into construction. For, what am I now? Forty fifteen years ago. 10, Twelve years ago, I should say. So I've just recently set up my own business. I've come out of being a project manager. So no, I wouldn't go back into it. Much I love it. Um, it's just, it's just too different. I think it's too different from my, my era of what I do. Um, I love coaching. I love, I love football. I love seeing somebody improve. Um, the whole point of what it is, you know, is to improve somebody. If I see somebody do something that, not that I've just coached it, but if I see somebody improve, for me, that's that's fantastic. But I just don't think, I don't know. There, there's a lot of money cuddling. There's a lot of. Um, outside pressures on people now that I think have changed it. It's not, I think it's more business now. It's more it's, business. Yeah. It's, more, yeah. uh, it's more, uh, which is, which is great, which is fine. No problem at all. If someone offered you hundred grand a week, you'll sign it, wouldn't you? Let's, let's not lie about the fact. Um, but it's just, it's not the game. It's not the game I fell in love with. Put it yeah, of course. Yeah. I totally understand that, mate. And then to, to tie everything together, I've got a, a, a small list of questions just based on your career. So um, we'll run through those. So the, 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 what's that? The pressure with a quick fire, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they don't. You can you can sort of when like have a little story about each each can one. I, can good, add something before you answer these questions. Yeah, go on. Be like Gareth Davies and sit on the fence with every question. Oh yeah, fucking. So Listen, uh, I hope you realise throughout. I hope you realise throughout this chat. I don't sit on fences. <laughs> no. Gareth had fucking splinters in his ass, didn't he? He was loving yeah, it, mate. Yeah, but he's still working in the game. That's why. He's yeah, exactly. He was a lovely fella, to be honest. He was. Nah, he's a top man. Really top man. Um, right. So, first one. Best player you played with? Best player I played with? I'd probably have to say Ian Wright. Matty was expecting that and hoping for that, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. Love that bloke. Absolutely love him. What he achieved in relation to the amount of goals he scored at Arsenal, whatever else, I'd say him right. Honestly, there's so, there's so many different ones. You could say Steve Ball is a goal scorer, but for what 
what somebody went on and achieved in relation to the amount of goals he scored. You don't score that amount of goals. Phenomenal amount of goals. Really just, yeah. just, just, yeah, probably him. Different class, mate. I love Wright. He's a bloke and all. He seems a top man. Yeah, he's good. He's a good guy. Uh, best player you played against? Gaza. Easy. Oh, wow. Was that when he was at Tottenham? Yeah, easy. Oh, Frightening. Frightening. I played against him. I came on a sub for, for Palace against Tottenham that time. And Gaza at Tottenham that year was phenomenal. He, not even a question. Don't get me wrong. I played against some really good players. But he was at a different level. I, I've yeah. said it to people before. He could do, he could dribble, he could run, he could pass. He was strong. He slapped me around the back of the head because I wouldn't get the ball for him. <laughs> didn't influence it. Um, but he was, that, that period at Tottenham, he was far and away the best player I've played against. And I, like I said, I was lucky enough to play against Brian Robson, Paul Ince. Yeah. Um, I, never, I never had the joys of playing against the sort of Lampards and Skulls. And I played against Gerard in the pre-season friendly for, for Wolves against Liverpool, but he was only a young lad. So I didn't play against those sort of type of guys, but I played against the sort of older era. And Gaza was, mate, frightening. Go on, Greg. We, we forgot to ask. So I was when, just going for it now. When you was at Wolves? Barcelona. What, that I scored? Did you score? I might have done. I don't know. Check your, check your mouth. <laughs> no, I just saw Greg. I just, your picture. <laughs> bingo. Yeah. What's well, my Twitter picture, mate? I'm living off that shit. Mate. So would I. What was that? Pre-season friendly? Yeah, we played Wolves 90... Uh, we played Barcelona 98, I think it might have been. So that's Cliver, Rivaldo, uh, a lot. Uh, Luis Enrique, Figo, Patrick Anderson... Uh, Nadal, yeah, people like that. I scored as well. That's unbelievable. I don't tell people that loads. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would. <laughs> what was Figo like? Frightening. Really? Uh, yeah, good player. Again, you are chasing him in that picture. <laughs> Listen, mate, he's chasing hey, me. He's got to pull me back. Trust me. <laughs> Give you the old drop of the shoulder and then you were off. Oh, I, think I, I, think, I think I was dropping in. <laughs> <laughs> or trying to catch him, I know that. Oh, Unbelievable wow. though, mate. I, I can't believe we forgot to mention that. No, I didn't mention it. I will mention it. <laughs> some list of players you've played against, right? Fucking stuff dreams are made of that. Yeah, um, that's it. I was lucky. Listen, I'm not going to lie to you, fellas. I was lucky when I, you know... Yes, we have a, a, an amount of talent. Yes, we have an amount of discipline, but you've also got to be very lucky. I'm lucky to have played against some of those guys. Uh, one of the things I never did was get shirts. Though I didn't do that. It wasn't, you know, other people are always going to get shirts. I never did it. I don't have a lot of that sort of stuff back. Not for any reason. I gave a lot away to charities and whatever else. I've got a couple of shirts in the loft, but very, very few. I don't. I didn't do that. But I was just. It's just nice to be able to do that. To be able to say that. Oh, yeah. against those people. That memories for me are far better than any material things. Yeah. Um, most underrated player you played with? Underrated? Oh, wow. That's a difficult one, underrated. Um, I'd probably say a guy called Carl Robinson at Wolves was very underrated. Centre midfielder? Yeah, played for Wales. Underrated. Was he Scouser or was he Welsh? No, he's a Welsh guy. Played for Welsh. Welsh. He 
now managing in, in, in Australia, was underrated. Steve Carica was a good footballer at Palace. Do you know, at the time at Palace, it was underrated, and you'll laugh, Stan Collymore. Yes. Got shipped out, didn't he? Like, but... Went to South End. Stan yeah. never really made it at Palace. We signed him from Stafford, honestly. One of, again, another one. I've not even mentioned Stan up there. Yeah, he was a player. <sighs> Unbelievable. Strong. He's got to be six foot two, six foot three. Oh, didn't Stan, he? Was six, Stan was six three. Three, yeah. I say Stan six foot three, right foot, left foot, strong, quick, dodgy tash because he'd come from the north, but that's not his fault. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. he was frightening. But he never really made it, Palace. Never, not he played games and there was flashes in the reserve team. I mean, at that time we were playing in reserves. He would score goals that you would not believe. We had a reserve team at the time, and like I said, there was myself, Gareth, Chris Coleman, Stan Collymore, uh, Darren Patterson, lots of, you know, you'd have the players coming out the first team. That's the, I think that's the difference. We won't go into that. That's another, that's another podcast. But he was, he was one of the ones I would say underrated at Palace. Stan. Wow. Um, worst trainer. Jesus, how many do you want? <laughs> Are they all strikers? No, not no. all of them. Might be Hately from what you said. Hately wasn't that, didn't bother about training. Steve Ball used to hate Fridays, didn't like interested. Didn't like Fridays? No, I just weren't interested. He, he, he didn't like shooting. So like Fridays, Fridays was a bit of a shape, bit of a session like that. And then you might have a little small sided game and some finishing for the strikers, but he hated finishing like that. He just thought it was false. It wasn't interesting play it, set it, score. That weren't him. Um, Scott Taylor at Reading the season we played when we got to the player final. He was useless to training. Useless. Um, I'm trying to think who else. I'm trying to think of a couple of others. But they, they were poor. 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 Hardest player you played with? Hardest as in tackling or hardest as in fighting? Fighting. Buddy was a monster. Really? Yeah, strong. Um, Jeff liked to scrap, Jeff Thomas, to be fair to him. Liked to scrap. Uh, I'm just trying to think. Adi Akinbai was an absolute beast. Yeah. yeah. He don't look like one to be fucked with, let's be fair. Uh, like we might have all said he was shit at the time at Leicester, but I wouldn't have no, told him. He, he broke his hand because he, he threw a punch of someone, missed it, and hit the, the door, but it was the physio's door, which is really thick, and broke his hand. <laughs> Fucking hell. It was a big fight down the tunnel. I can't talk about that one. <laughs> um, he, he was he'd scary. He scared me. And Ify Anur is the only other one. Really? Yeah, big Ify. Scary man. <laughs> Scared. Yeah. Hardest player you played against? Hardest player I played against. <sighs> Paul Ince was frightening, as in regards. He changed. I think he changed the midfield, as we sort of know it. Roy Keane was an athlete. Paul Ince was the first, what we probably call a defensive midfield player. He was tough. Um, Stuart Pearce booted me in one of my first ever games and stuck me in the stand. <laughs> He was tough. That was his job, wasn't it? Just stick him in the stand. Yeah, that was another level. I was a young kid and played at Forest, and literally, he, 
I got the ball and I was a little waif. I was probably like, you know, 10 stone ringing wet. And I got the ball. I remember just getting it and he tackled me and booted me. Or ba basically just was giving me a little scare and he went, welcome to the big league, son. <laughs> I, I love all that side of it. Like the, 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 the other side of the white line, he seems like such a, a nice geezer. Like, oh, he goes on it. brilliant. You'd love, you'd love him to do your electrics, wouldn't you? He'd just be such a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> he just looks scary. Like the, from the playing days, I've just got that vision of him just. To, uh, with the tightest shorts on ever, the biggest legs just annihilating someone just for looking at him. Yeah. And, uh, it's yeah, that Euro '96 scream. My only one, the only other one I didn't really was a guy called Billy Whitehurst. Yes. Never, yes. He jumped. Well, actually, he got back on our coach at Reading from Cheltenham because he just said, "I need a lift," and we went, "Yeah, come in." <laughs> yeah, didn't come up in another one of our podcasts. Yeah, it was um, it was Gareth Davies. Gareth Davies, yeah, yeah. He he basically put the frighteners on him, didn't he? Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, yeah. Just the bouncer. Did yeah. Big Billy, uh, did Big Billy play Leeds? Um, I, if he did, it might have been in the eighties. I, I don't really know I too much about Leeds in the eighties. But I played. I played. Well, I lie. I've got a good story about Elmo. I remember sitting on the bench as fourteenth man for Palace way way back. And I'm sure Big Billy was playing. And we were playing. And I had a butter coat on. Do you remember butter at the time? And I was sitting behind the stand. Anyway, we were beating Leeds. And some geezer whispered in my ear, hey, you win, I'm going to slap you. I jumped straight over and got in the dugout. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I ain't getting slapped. So I just jumped over the finger. I'm sure Big Billy Whitehouse was playing for Leeds then. I might be wrong. I might he, be wrong. he might well have. I know, like, I know he played played for a few. Like He played for the Blades, didn't he? He played yeah. for... Um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sheffield United for a while, but he might have. Come on, Greg, where are you? I'm not, mate. I'm not the Google man. He's, he's packed it in now, Sam, and he's he's sacking it off. No, he didn't. He didn't play for Leeds. He didn't. No. No, he was he was at Hull, Sunderland, Sheffield United, Doncaster. But no, he never never played for us. Um, but yeah, he's sort of quite renowned for being a, a bit of an hard bastard. When he like Gareth was saying, he used to after games go doing dormant work. Basically, yeah. just to have a fucking ruck. Wow. <laughs> that's the next level. <laughs> that's up there, isn't it? Yeah, just no, just 90 go... minutes and going down to the local and just smashing people up. Just fancy being a dormant tonight. Have a few. Yeah, all right then. Unbelievable. Walking in a Monday with a black eye and going, remember where you got that? Oh. <laughs> um, big, biggest diva. Biggest diva. Oh, God, it's, it's a bit difficult. Biggest diva, who likes themselves? Oh, dear. Just trying to think who would be the biggest diva. Be fair, Brighty likes his gear. Yeah. Brighty and Righty love their gear. Oh, he's... Yeah, both of them did. Brighty was quite classy, and Righty used to try and get against him. Brighty had a bit of class about him. Righty was the street boy that used to try and follow him. Be a bit Larry, <laughs> little bit lively, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Brighty, 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 Brighty was the big pro, so Brighty was the, you know, turn up boots had to be immaculate. You know what I mean? If there was any mud on the bottom of Brighty's boots, he would go mad at his boot boy. Really? Yeah, match boots could match boots and training boots. If there was any mud on it, go mad. <laughs> That's quality. Um, funny man. Funny man. Quite a few of them. Andy Woodman's a funny man at Palace. Um, I love Woody. 
Dylan Kerr, good funny boy. He used to play for Leeds way back. At, he played at Reading. He was a funny boy. Stupid, but he can't help it. Um, <laughs> trying to think. Would be Don Goodman. Don's funny boy. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny lad. He could have fooled me with his commentating. Yeah, Don. Don's a really funny lad. He used to fall asleep in nightclub, but he's a really funny lad. <laughs> um, which manager was the best when they took part in training? Steve Koppel. Yeah. That come up on another one, didn't it? Koppel was say that. Yeah, Koppel was good. Colin Lee never really joined in much. Steve Koppel, when I first was at Palace, was only young and he was still fit as a fiddle because he would love to join in. And um, we used to do the beep test at the time and he'd join in the beep test and he'd say, anyone don't beat me, you would have to do it again. So oh. fit, yeah, so he was still fit. And he'd join in the games. And every now and then, he'd throw the old favourite in. I don't know if you remember, 1981, I think it was, or 82, World Cup. He had the long throw that Brian Robson scored off. And every now and then, he'd pick the ball up and do the old, here it comes, and throw the old long throw in. He used to love that one. Mark McGee had the best, one of the best finishes I've ever seen, or the best ways to beat people. Obviously, Mark played Aberdeen and whatever else. And he used to kick the ball against the defender, off his shins, his shins, and go through. Amazing. That's Steve incredible. Cole, best trainer by far. Wow. That's some sort of accolade to do that to your players, though, isn't it? You've got to beat me. And that's fair play if you can't beat the gaffer. Yeah, honestly, you had Andy Fawn. I think Nigel Martin was useless. Andy Fawn used to hate running. And and honestly, he used to say, he used to say, right, if you don't meet me, lads, you've got to go again. Like those players. That <laughs> and you could see him looking over at the gaffer going, please drop out, please drop out. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, obviously, there's a tradition with the initiations when players sign for clubs, they get up and do a little sing song. Uh, who's the best singer that you, you've come across in the game? Don. Yeah? Yeah, Don's a good singer. Don What's good he singer. go for? Likes a bit of everything. Robbie likes a sing song as well. Robbie Keane's Irish, isn't he? They love a sing song. Paddy's love it, mate. Yeah, love it. Yeah, but they're probably Don and, and Don and, and, and him. And Robbie, two singers, like a bit singing. I was lucky. I never, re- we did, it wasn't a big thing when I was back playing. It wasn't a big initiation thing. Yeah. It's kind of a little bit more now, isn't it? Oh, it's massive now. Yeah. I can't sing. I have to break a bit of vanilla ice. They can't something. do anything else. To <laughs> <play>. <laughs> they can't burn their clothes or anything. Because that's just uh, like... i tell you what, me and uh, me and Gareth Davies did a good Rick Astley duo. I was impressed. <laughs> we were on point with that. I thought it was decent. He went to town, mate. That was impressive. Yeah, no, we, I wasn't. I, I was lucky. I was lucky. Didn't have to sing. Couldn't sing. Tongue deaf. <laughs> yeah, Gareth goes when we asked him the same question. He was like me, <laughs> and then he was like, "All oh, right, okay." And then he just went for it. Bit of Rick Ashley. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, mate. I'm rubbish. <laughs> fair, fair play, mate. Um, this question sort of a double-ended meaning. So, biggest dick you ever played with. Biggest dick, as in somebody I didn't like or just was a complete cock around that place? As in, who's the biggest dick or who had the biggest dick? So however you want to take it. Oh, okay. Get ya. If he's up there. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's thinking back now. He's going, yeah, I can't remember that, Shah. <laughs> <laughs> like that. And um, who done... Who, do you know what I did? I didn't... I never didn't really get on with anyone, 
me and Keith Kill never used to see eye to eye for, for whatever reason. Um, fine playing wise, just didn't see eye to eye, just, just clashed a little bit, probably there. Um, other than that, I'm just trying to think. I never got on, I'll tell you what I didn't get on with David Barsley at QPR. I thought he was a prick. Honest, mate. I love that. <laughs> me and Simon Barker had a fight, but that was just me and Simon Barker. And we were roommates. But I didn't like David Barsley. I thought he was a prick. He probably thought I was a prick as well, but there you go. But you liked Barker, but you had a tear-up with him. <laughs> no, we were roommates. I got stuck together. But we, we yeah. used to play young the old. It was quite a big thing at the time. Yeah, so at the time, it was the young the old. So they were the old guys, Barker, Holloway, um, Ray, Anna McDonald. So on the younger guys with myself, Trevor, Danny Deetshow, Kevin Gallen. So we were doing it. And I think one of the games on a Friday, we were absolutely annihilating them. And they were all getting up and trying to kick people anyway. So Simon Bart was trying to kick me, so I booted him. So anyway, we've had a bit of a tear-up on the old training pitch. So it happened. It happened all the time, quite quite things. So we, I can't fight. So I've tried to throw a few while backing away quickly. And, and hoping someone breaks out. The old favourite school, isn't it? Yeah, I can have a fight. Break it up, please, teacher. Please. Um, <laughs> and um, so back to Wayne anyway. The next day, get to the hotel, go into the old room for the old room, and someone's left a pair of boxing gloves on the on the, on the the chair because me and Simon room together. It's quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Just like I said, it, it happens, doesn't it? It's, it's football. Really, yeah. It does, mate, yeah. And last one. Your best mates in football, and can you get them on the podcast for us? Best mates in football, Dylan Kerr's my best mate. Probably, yeah. I still speak to Dylan all the time. Um, no way. Yeah, yeah, I still speak to him. I probably speak to him once a week. He's out in South Africa at the moment. He's been to Vietnam, Botswana, Tanzania. He coaches everywhere out there. Wow. I still speak to him all the time. Neil Emblem, I talk to. Oh, um, brilliant! Yeah, Bobby Bowie probably is my the one I see the most is Bobby. Because we still coach together, I still speak to him probably most every other day. Um, they're probably the only ones that I really speak to. I still speak to other people. You and Roberts, I talk to every now and then. <coughs> um, but it's, it's funny. You sort of talk to them and then you get back together and you speak again. Andy Woodman, we just, just recently started speaking to again. Andy's a really funny guy. He's got some great stories. He's a, he's a, if you could get him on now, I, I think I'm funny looking. But he is <laughs> Oh, if, if you could have words with Woody, mate, that'd be, be special. He is, he is a funny boy, Andy. Funny boy. Yeah, he's a character and half. When I like listened to his um, interview recently, when he was talking about even in his coaching times and with Pardew up at Newcastle, yeah, with the eight-year contract, fucking superb. Well, I used to. I I obviously lived in Addiscombe when I moved down and I lived there I used to walk to Andy's in Woodside and jump in his, his, his mini metro and we used to go to training together oh wow he always charged me fucking petrol money the time <laughs> what in that thing at all yeah in a metro do you know what I mean he's tried, I think he charged me a tenner a week he'd probably pay for about six weeks <laughs> quality <laughs> you're right he had a red mini metro he used to sell the worst gear out the back of his motor ever he used to sell Ralph Lauren polo things and the geezer had a cricket bat in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's superb. You always had a bit of perfume. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that, that sort of brings our, our chat to an end anyway. Um, so I really appreciate you coming on, mate. That was superb. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks for your time. 
Forward and, um, yeah, I, my, my background made you at home with, with Molyneux behind me today. So, <laughs> um, But yeah, thank, thank you for everyone who, who's watching and, and who, who's listening as well. Make sure you slap a like on the video on YouTube and subscribe to the channel. And um, yeah, thank you. Thank you, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.